from the Dice Abide Live Studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Thank you. Thank you, Jay, and hello, everyone. I'm Adam, occasionally referred to as the Dice Abide. And I'm John, a.k.a. Wise Kensai. This evening, we are joined in the studio by the one, the only, the mighty and the bald, Obadiah. Hey. It is me. Hey, Obi. Yeah. How's it going, man? It's going pretty well. How are you? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So, uh, what do you guys, what do you guys drink tonight? I'll go first since I'm the guest. Yeah, I'm, I've got a Himley pear cider that's a mandarin. Uh, got mandarin juice in it as well. It's very good. And then uh, I also, as a backup, have a T10 Cider Works uh, cranberry cider. Which uh, is very interesting because it has like a cinnamon taste to it. Uh, so it's, it's very much like drinking Thanksgiving. It's pretty good. There you go. That sounds Those all sound delicious. Uh, I'm having a Topo Chico, which is a grapefruit carbonated mineral water. And uh, I poured some gin into it. There nice. you go. I was like, Topo, Topo Chico is good, but with gin, better. Mm-hmm. So tonight, I am having another beer from the um, Kizakura Brewery in Kyoto, Japan, which is their matcha IPA. And the only way I can describe it so far, because I just poured it, is, like, terrifyingly green. Like, that's matcha <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, like, that. that is either matcha or it's, like, some cheap energy drink coloring. It's, we'll see how it goes. Probably energy drink coloring is my guess. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Well, I'll drink it. It okay. kind of like <laughs> it kind of tastes like you 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 know like a Jaeger bomb or like that kind of situation where you have the shot and you have the the, the beverage you drop the shot in the beverage and drink it. Mm-hmm. It kind of tastes like you had a beer and then like a shot of wheatgrass. Mm. And dropped in. It's not. So what you're yeah. saying is it's good for you. Um, you know that's not. Yeah, oh. it, 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 it's got antioxidants. Yeah, got what plants crave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh man! All right, before we get off and do much of a tangent, John, why don't you give us some news? Yeah, let's do it. So, uh, what's going on lately in Broman Academy Land is uh, take Max AVA in a sectorial. So this month, do that thing. You are allowed to take a three-model link, only one. You can even take a duo if you want. So, But just take one link, maximum three models in it, and try to max out the AVA of uh, a profile or a unit, right? Uh, if you can't because you run out of points, that's totally fine, right? But at least make the effort. So if you, if you, don't, you don't have to take all five Hellcats, you can take like three or four. That's totally fine. But just take something abnormally high in terms of ABA and let us know how it goes. And I'm just trying to um, encourage you to think about some different uh, play styles and uh, different use cases for, for, for uh, particular profiles. Maybe try a different uh, gun you don't particularly use all the time. Uh, just give it a, give it a shot. So that's this month. Uh, also ending this month is the tag painting competition. So we've got some great entries so far. I look forward to seeing them as they roll in near the end of the month. But again, that's the deal. So uh, send us send us some 
sweet pictures. Uh, you get to send four plus your, you know, before picture and all that. Uh, don't worry too much if it's like already primed or whatever, even base coded. Uh, just sort of let us know that you did it. You started, you know, doing it in earnest uh, for this particular competition because everybody's got like a, a tag that's like half finished on their table. It's just a occupational hazard. Yeah, I've so got that's... tags that aren't even started. So there you go. That you beat. I have. I have several. I'm still working on my the conversion for the one that I wanted to paint, so right. <laughs> I'm gonna get it in. Yep. Yeah, and if you're if you are playing vanilla in all your games, you can still max out the AVA of something. I think That's you have true. to max out the AVA of three things, right? Is that what you decided? <laughs> sure. Do that thing. Yeah, all AVA one things. Just max out. And and all and maxing out the AVA of net rods does not count. Damn it! Sorry, Clint. I know you're playing Aleph and like all of your things. Wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you want to remind, remind people what's going on with our Patreon? Adam? Oh, yeah. So uh, we've switched from our, our per episode subscription for Patreon to a monthly uh, subscription. So far we've had two awesome Patreon backers switch from the, the previously the, the highest tier of the uh, per episode back to the highest tier of the, Monthly, it comes out to roughly the same. I think a little bit less on most tiers. Um, but we had to switch to monthly in order to start giving away cool swag. They've got an interesting swag system, so the people at the top tier will get access to things like T-shirts and mugs and whatever stuff I can figure out once I can figure it out on the web store. Yay! And those two people are the awesome Obadiah, who is here. Yay! Yay! And uh, and Pete bought my way onto the show. Everybody. Yep. This is, this is how you can do it. Pay to play. I am, I am not opposed. I am not <laughs> micro microtransactions in late night war games. You heard it here, right? Um, yeah. So so check it out. We're gonna try to get something special for the people that that pledge the the top tier. So yeah, let's do it. Very cool. Uh, in terms of pledges, right? So defiance. Oh yeah. Uh, they have claimed that they've got the UK UK shipping sorted out, right? Because there was the big. Uh, customs issue they had last last update. Now they seem to have settled it, and they should be getting stuff out to everybody in the UK now. So, thumbs up for those folks. Um, I wonder if they took my advice and are smuggling it through the channel. That's probably what it is. They that's... they pay very close attention to everything that comes out of your mouth. Um, yeah. <laughs> but here they've got uh, some shots coming in from their factory in China, and uh, so these are the tiles for Wave Two, right? So some kind of desert uh, desert tiles there. A million cool. more cards, right? So, Virgilian cards. Um, some uh, new units, right? So, that you've got a Gamma and also Valeria Gromos, right? So, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the rule book with some sweet art of uh, yeah. Raul Spector. Yeah, and I don't think we'd seen that art with uh, Kindrat and uh, uh, Jan Star before. Yeah, yeah I think that's that, right? Yeah. So, so we now we finally know what Jan Star looks like, too, right? Uh, I mean, we saw his, his mini, but yeah, it's yep. cool to see some some actual art for him. Yep. Um, let's see what else. Very yeah, um, nice, more toys. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, in Battlefleet Gothic news, um, the Soulforge oh, yeah. Studio has put out the Nonconformist Frigate, which is uh, chaos. <laughs> so I will be making somebody <laughs> print that out at some point. Right. Yep. So they're starting the uh, they're starting the chaos fleet, which I'm pretty excited for. And I think that they said that Orc Fleet is coming up soon, which is really what I want. I already printed out the ships that they had in their guest Patreon. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, cool, give me more cruises. 
Indeed. What are those called? Are they like the space barbarians or something? Oh, I'm sure they'll have some amazing name. <laughs> I mean, they could just call it orcs with a C. Piss off GW because that you can't copyright yeah. that term. Yep. There you go. That's that's the thing to do. <laughs> space orc with a C. Haha. Or sporks. Speaking yeah. speaking of orc and orc adjacent things, we can talk about some pano power armor. Yeah. There you go. Good segue. Smooth. Flawless. I, I try. I try. <laughs> so, so so this month uh, is the month where they're announcing. Actually, this week is the week they're announcing all the stuff about the new military orders update. So we've got some cool stuff to share with you. Uh, basically, first off, we have a the first the first female Blackfire right model. I think so. Yeah. Well, there's only the the two uh, or the one Blackfire model. Yeah, he's got the uh, multi rifle and he's got a sword like this or whatever. Um, yeah, no, this is awesome. And I think he said that's a heavy rocket launcher. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I'm very okay with an Albedo heavy rocket launcher. Yep. I think great. it's just the MSV2, though. Oh, well, that's still fine. Yeah, it's good. But it's not, you know, it's definitely a different piece. Yeah. Yeah. It's but still, Albe it's still Albedo good. MSV2 is only on the multi rifle guy. So maybe they'll upgrade him to a multi marksman. Maybe the goggles are just really heavy, so you can't carry it around with a with an HRL as well. That's probably what it is. I'm sure. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, we oh, have man. we have the biggest, heaviest boy, the chonkiest. Okay, yeah. Knights this guy does not skip uh, arms very. Yeah, he's he's a baby tag. I I kind of like that they that they go with this the the baby arms mm -hmm. inside something that's not a tag. Like it, it's it's it kind of straddles the line between what is a heavy infantry and what is a tag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he is he is definitely chonkier than all of the other S five infantry we've seen. Probably even like the blackjack and rat, ratnik as well. Right? Those are those are chonky, like designs and the, stuff. The ratnik is is fairly uh, streamlined compared to the blackjack. I think yeah, the blackjack, blackjack is, is definitely. Yeah, but I mean, like just a block. It's not. It doesn't have baby arms. Like this guy seems yeah. intentionally bulked up in the torso, right? Even over the blackjack. The blackjack is like, looks like a suit. Yeah. In comparison. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I can't tell where the head is of the pilot if it's inside the chest or if it's actually in the helmet. I think it's like. I mean, the shoulders are right underneath, like the red gubbin on the on like right next to the shoulder. Yeah. Pad. So Maybe I think it's just the actual head. It, it. I don't no either that or it's like in the that neck way. you know yeah, yeah. he's like Zyphold people braxing it yeah exactly yeah, right? it is it is pretty awesome and of course the render looks great too oh my goodness yes right the the interesting thing with the render is i can't quite tell if the heavy pistol is grabbed by the pilot's hand or by the uh the suit's hand mm. it's kind of positioned that? the spot where the <laughs> yeah then the funny thing is like is is the pilot shooting the gun and the 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 big arm just like waving its finger around at you yeah it's just like it's like wiggling its finger while it's holding the sword yeah seems fine yeah i approve it looks awesome that looks like a multi-hmg i believe so yeah those are aphmg according to the the, the dossier is saying aphmg yeah. yeah so and also the uh the loadout that they gave um kind of early on but that, but like that doesn't mean anything. Right? It's, it can very yeah. easily be wrong. We've they've been wrong in the past, and even after then, army comes out, they could still be wrong. So they have other a, AP HMGs in the army, and they follow the kind of standard Panoceana HMG design. This follows yeah. the uh, the same as the cutter. So, who knows? I'll take 
I'll take a multi HMG on a heavy infantry. Yeah. Yeah. Can't be, can't be possessed. Seems good. Yeah, it's KNO. Why not? Maybe maybe has vulnerability possession. That would be funny. <laughs> no, my arms. <laughs> yeah, all it does is just like do this, like squish the arms. Ow. <laughs> just put his hands down at the end. <laughs> yeah, no, the the those reveals were all today, right? Yeah. Oh, they look so cool. Yeah, I mean, over the past couple of days, I yeah. sort of pulled from a bunch of videos. I'm not really sure what came from what video anymore, but yeah, right. It's definitely pretty rad. Let's see what else we got. Um, we've seen the coadjutor croziers. I guess is how. If there's if there's any reason to watch the video, it's to hear Carlos try to pronounce that. Yes. <laughs> there's at least seven more R's. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it seems like these guys are the replacement for order sergeants. Yeah, I I don't know what's going on with that. That you know? sounds like what it is. They they actually released a blog post as well, uh, saying that they were kind of some of the different design things that they were going with, like the um, one thing with this Knight of the Holy Sepulcher, uh, Sepulcher is that uh, it no longer has hollow mask because they're like, you know, an S5 infantry doesn't really need that. But it's still up in the air whether they mean it doesn't have hollow mask or if it doesn't have hollow projector either. Mm. Oh, right. Sure. And then these guys uh, here are... I guess to replace the the order sergeants and uh, as will be a cheaper version of what the order sergeants were bringing. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think it'd be hard to keep two versions of light infantry with the same loadouts around. I mean, these yeah. guys don't have an HRL. They they might. I would be very yeah, sad if I lost the HRL and uh, Oxbot profile. All right, I love that profile. All the fire. It's it's pretty pretty rad, um, as are the minis for for this. Uh, oh, they're so good. So there's um uh, the or, I guess the Crozier with MSV two and Spitfire. So that really sort of sells it that it's most likely the direct replacement. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. You can reuse your old Order Sergeant minis for everything. It's not a big deal. Uh, but the, the well, new, so here's yeah, here's a thought about that, right? So the um. The order sergeants weren't discontinued though when the they discontinued magisters, and then we know that the magisters are getting replaced. Mm -hmm. So they could actually keep them. And right now, the only order sergeants they have is the one with the combi, the one that's a hacker, and one with the HRL. So they could reduce their profiles down to those three. Oh, make it all make them all just specialist sergeants. Yeah, exactly. And then so like you've got one spec sergeant with a combi and an oxbot, another spec sergeant that's a hacker another spec sergeant with an HRL. Like mm. then you could you could still mix them in because they they you know it's not like they're you know they're not old sculpts and they look very knightly. They don't they still fit the aesthetic. So that's my that's my working theory right now. We'll find out, right? And there's the it sounded, it sounded like they were getting replaced, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, because I think they'd said that the you know you can use the your old uh, order sergeants as as these guys. I have like eight old order sergeants. Yeah. Well, now you got eight of these guys. Yeah. Then you <laughs> have to the buy new, the tertiaries and stuff too. When and the tertiaries, yeah, because they, they got split into those. Yeah. Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, we do have a. This is the uh, exclusive pre-order model. Apparently, uh, you have the Infirmer with flag, aka. Dude, I love that model. 
Yeah. Uh, like, there's definitely some like people poo-pooing it about you know like what special ops team goes into battle with a banner, but at the same time, like what special ops team is made up of Catholic knights in power armor, like whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah, the kind that's right. gonna go to to war with a banner. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They're like, um, yeah, very heavy affinity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine. She looks awesome. It's a she cool does. model. But I mean, like they're also in the fluff. You know, they're they're actually engaged in large scale battles too. So, yeah. and also, this is the infirmary. Yeah. She's got to be like, guys, over here. You know, yeah. When you're dying, get, get your, I'm get over your medic here. kits over here. Don't shoot me. I'm a medic. Yep. You, you over there, and she's like gesturing with the sword. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Stand in line. I like. I think. I think this is pretty polarizing. Either you love it or you hate it. I'm just kind of like, all right. I well. I fall into the love it category. Fair enough. All right, what else? Uh, we have a new Knight Commander, right? So this is uh, Pano's answer to the Dao Ying, I guess. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It, interestingly, has a monofilament nerf sword. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. And then a, a light shotgun and a combi rifle. So, yeah, I'm wondering if this is kind of along the lines of, like like you said, the Dao Ying or the Mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, hmm? in, that, in that blog post there, you were saying that it's, uh, it's Lieutenant 2 with a uh, hollow mask. Hmm. So you can, oh, there you and go. it's light infantry. So you can, it's going to be a cheaper kind of order uh, yep. efficiency type of thing that you can sneak into a link. That's uh, not bad because one of the biggest issues I have right now when I'm when I'm putting together my ammo lists is that you know your lieutenant has to be a heavy infantry, and I generally like I, I don't hate that. You know, the, these are the space knight. They want the biggest, baddest space knight leading the charge. It's it's fine, um, but you know, when I'm also trying to make a list of wing games. Um, sure. <laughs> not having to have my lieutenant, you know, when you spend like 50 points in lieutenant, you're like, okay, well, I got to get 50 points of work out of this guy. Right. Well, the only thing that has NCO right now is the Teutonic Knight with Spitfire, but I imagine that will change. Yeah. So, yeah, that was actually something that they were, you know, they were trying to kind of address with this, this unit here, uh, is that basically you know before they had the fusilier and you know mm-hmm. then people would use a fusilier lieutenant and it's like why why are these big knights taking orders from a fusilier you know they you know they should be the ones giving the orders but yeah. then they're like well then we changed it and then you know every uh you know then it was all knights and it was expensive and people were like this is not competitive so this is mm-hmm. kind of their <laughs> their answer to that that question right yeah makes sense yeah and the sepulcher might get get nco that's probably reasonable That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. What would be great is if the Knight Commander had hollow level two and you could disguise him as three Jones. You could have four Jones on the table. Which one is the real Joan? And you can use all of your, your LE sculpts. Perfect. And have some left over. <laughs> Probably. But, uh, like, all jokes aside, this so is a really cool model. Other for your second Knight Commander. <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah. It's a really cool model. I don't have much to say, but like, it's, it's badass. The the mask gives me like Phantom of the Opera vibes right now. I don't know why. <laughs> can we make it? Can we make it a half mask for you? Yeah, exactly right. Just like file off half of it. All right. Well, we've got some new Knight of Justice. Finally got the uh, Spitfire profile for them. Um, yeah, spends great. maximum justice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the form of damage fourteen bullets. Pew pew pew. Right. I'm looking at it like side by side with the with the uh, the Father Knight Spitfire. Yeah, the fun Father Knight Spitfire still looks good, but th- they've definitely uh, dialed up the amount of like tech gubbins. Mm-hmm. 
So like the legs on the knights before used to be like really big solid greaves with hard edges. And I kind of liked it because it just looks like a slab of armor. Mm-hmm. And the, the armor here is definitely more looks more layered. Yeah, it's more layered. There's more bits to it. It's also this is maybe a minor like it's such a minor criticism because they look so good, especially when painted. Um, but all of the other knights previously had the same thigh and leg uh, thigh and leg armor. And so you could tell that like you know the difference between like a hospitaler and oh I'm brain farting on which one, but like one of them had like an extra piece of armor over the foot, and that was about it. Um but he looks awesome. He's gonna shoot you with that Spitfire. I yep. love the you know, I love the profile. Great profile. Great. He's got some too. sweet abs too. Yes, Sorry? indeed. He's got some sweet robo abs, you know. Yep. Robo abs. <laughs> this guy's hiding his abs. Yeah. <laughs> so Mendoza is uh making his way in. And this is heavy shotgun on his on his uh card huh. here and not Vulcan. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering if he'll have continuous damage kind of like uh maybe the one assassin fella. Uh so at first I was a little I was a little um lukewarm on the model, but it's grown on me, especially kind of after hearing the fluff where we don't even know if it actually is Mendoza. But it's absolutely a piece of like pano propaganda. Like, I mean, yeah, it would be kind of funny if they're like, yeah, we can't bring Mendoza back, but he got really popular in like Aristea. So, like, we're just going to cancel his contract in Aristea and then say this other guy's Mendoza. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, this guy who looks like 20 years younger is now Mendoza because he was such a, a popular star on TV. What a, what a crazy like plot. Book that you can just do in this universe right right you're like this this like talk talk about a reboot you know it's like darkwing duck was great let's bring back darkwing duck <laughs> as oh, a military it? hero though he's gonna fight wars for us he's gonna wasn't get dangerous the, wasn't it part of like the n2 story that i feel like achilles or maybe just some of the Myrbidons in general yeah were were aristea stars hmm so, I mean, it's not a uh, not unheard of. Yeah, exactly. You put Mendoza's cube into it, a younger, sexier, more marketable body. <laughs> yeah, one. that last part, more marketable, is the key. <laughs> they should have made him look like Jude Laws. I think that was their main problem. Oh, that'd be good. <laughs> but no, still a very cool model. I'm gonna have to get one for Aristea as well as my uh, my military orders. Are you gonna use this one for Aristea instead of Leather Daddy Mendoza? <laughs> I mean. Why? Why not both? I mean, you can give him the sweet wings for the uh, the Aristea version. Mm. You you've got the pious version and the less than pious the version. Naughty angel version. Yeah, cleansing fire. Take, drag you to hell. Um. So. Well, talking a lot about <laughs> fire right now. So remember, everybody, safety first. <laughs> got to put yeah. a helmet on your helmet. Dude, I love this model so much. <laughs> I, it's yeah the helmet on the helmet yeah is a little i mean it's a little goofy like yeah. i'm just gonna say it but the model looks rad it does it does i so, mean like you know i guess if you are if you are a, a biker knight you probably want to end up putting a thing on so yeah let's just go straight to the model uh oh sorry we have the uh the bike dot so it looks a lot different right so the art they showed it definitely looked like a vespa uh this yeah. does not look like a vespa at all uh i yeah I no the bike looks great much better um, the up armored prow is kind of weird. 
but whatever. But, but I kind of like it because it's basically this guy is just going to drive it straight at you. Yes. I He's don't not know what that way. would do to the handling, though. I mean, if you have if you have power armored assist holding the uh, holding the front fork straight. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I'll, I, I won't question it too much. We have to suspend a space technology makes it possible, John. OK, it makes right. ramming. It makes ramming with a motorcycle viable. It even has shock absorbers on the ram in the front. It does. <laughs> and there you go with with boarding shotgun. That's a, it's a super cool model. Forgot who first said it, but it's the Holy Knight of Motocross, and that's fantastic. The, the what <laughs> of motocross? The Holy Knight of Motocross. The Holy Knight of Motocross. Yeah, the there pa- you go. The patron saint. Um, yeah, no, again, a really rad model. My, you know, again, like. Yeah, to have any complaints about these models, like they look amazing. I only wish that the helmet was more integrated, so it didn't look like a helmet on a helmet, and that could be solved with paint. No, I think you want it to look like a helmet on a helmet. <laughs> like that's the whole point of this, right? It should be like out to his shoulders. Like a regular helmet is already damn near to your shoulders, anyways. I mean, like I kind of want to make him into like a uh, like a motorcycle cop. <laughs> Use them for your O uh, twelve. No, I mean just like, but like O twelve already has the 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 lock keeper, right? right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't think you need another one, but this guy would make a good like Pano also needs motorcycle cops, right? Like That's they fair. have to police themselves. That seems fine. So this guy would be a, a great way of doing that. Um, and just got to give him like a high visibility vest, right? <laughs> just make his tabard all bright orange. Yeah, right. Exactly, <laughs> and do like a like a stripe down the middle of that like high reflective tape, right? yeah. across. Yeah, there you go. Like a cross of high reflective tape. Oh, there you go. Boom. Done. <laughs> All right. I do really like that it comes with the uh, the unmounted version as well. Yes, yeah, it is pretty nice. Unmounted version with uh, with Nerf sword. Yeah, I mean he's pretty good in close combat. He'll chop you up. He, he actually he is shockingly good in close combat. He killed a chimera once. That was. Very sad. <laughs> but, yep, another bottle to look forward to. All right, sounds good. I know exactly how I'm going to paint him now. We got a new Knight of Santiago, too, right? So, mm-hmm. Dossier has been updated a little bit. And uh, man, this is a cool model. Yeah, you know, they're still using tactical rocks, which I'm fine with because it works with my basing. It does um, not work with my basing. I'm very annoyed. It's oh. it's a little <laughs> ambiguous if this is like an organic rock or a piece of cement, which I appreciate at least. So it's it's more flexible. Sure. Yeah. With what it goes with. Honestly, yeah, it's it's such a cool model. One thing I really like with this uh new design is that uh he's almost got kind of like it looks like he's got like Kevlar sleeves uh over the biceps, uh rather oh, yeah. than kind of mechanical biceps. Uh and I've I've seen that in a number of the newer uh designs, uh which I like a lot because it kind of shows you those ones that are slightly uh, lighter uh, armored, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or at least that you know kind of seems like it. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they're gonna get rid of his uh, AD, right? Yeah, I don't know because he doesn't have like the AD wings on there. Yeah, or maybe we'll get a different one for Star Mater or something. Right, that's also possible. Well, it's a single AD profile, right? Yeah, but it's the KHD yeah. specifically that's the AD profile. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Hard to say. 
What else we got? Oh yeah, and then of course the Teutonic Knights, which I guess are getting merged with the Magisters. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what I'm hearing is they're taking over for the Magister. Well, the equipment that they have in this picture is all Magister equipment. Yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Magisters have light shotguns and Panzerfaust, and then they have a missile launcher profile. Yeah. The the two the Teutons had a Panzerfaust and combi rifle. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping that they keep the uh, the, the kind of high ballistic skill that the Teutons have, the BS-13. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, 12 isn't terrible. I mean, it's not, but it's it's really funny to have like a, you know, Berserker guy who's also really good at shooting as he comes charging forward at you. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. Well, that's it for the uh, the new profiles, or the new the new uh, shiny renders and stuff that we've, we've had so far. I presume we'll get another video tomorrow. I'm gonna say I'm gonna miss the explosive close combat uh, two tonight if they don't bring him back. Yeah, I'd be sad. That would be a bummer. <laughs> but no, the I mean, the very cool concept art. Looking forward to more models, of course, after the initial launch. Uh, I am glad that they are that they're revisiting military orders instead of ditching them. Oh, they're giving kinda... an update instead of like sending them the way of Murph. Yeah, because it, it they've been doing that right with some of their older sectorals. Yeah, as you know, when, when you're hoping, like, here comes the roof update, JK. Um, I mean, I, I met, like, we were talking about this earlier, right? Like, a lot of people uh, are pre-ordering this box that, you know, that was surprising to some of our, our people who work at our own stores, right? Um, mm-hmm. So, I think, yeah, like I think JSA, be... they're, a, they're a very iconic army, because they're like, look at these guys with swords, and they're amazing, and they're so flavorful. Uh, yeah. So, that makes sense or as i guess bostry would say lovely right they're very lovely um so it, it makes sense that uh, people would want to have the sweet space knights faction or the space samurai faction sure i mean it's funny like you know it's such a it's such a sci-fi game but people love like space anachronism like give sure me my, my yeah give me my feudal japan and my <laughs> uh my night crusaders in space please right People, people, people are going to do that thing. I think you just add space in front of anything and people will want it. Pretty much. I mean, if you also, something I noticed with this box and the last few, basically all of the, um, what do they call them now? Action packs? Yes. They all now stay, start collecting on them. Oh, yeah, that's true. They do. So I think those are very much angled as the start here box now instead of the old six model. Mm-hmm. Like, like, who knows how many point boxes. Which I think is great. Like, start people off with a 300 point army. Boom, yeah. here you go. The price point isn't unreasonable, and you sure. could legitimately open the box and play in the tournament. Right. That would be really fun to do a, uh, once there's enough to do a, like, quote, sealed tournament. Like, you have 300 points, but you have to play the, the action back, and that's all you get. And you've got to build it right now. <laughs> yes, go, go, go. You've got an hour to put it all together. <laughs> You get the action back on one blister back. How how clean it is. Oh, that'd be funny. Yeah, paint required. Um, Well, cool. So I think that is all of the uh, Infinity and other game miniature news, which means... It's hobby time! So I'll go ahead and start... It is <laughs> so I'll go ahead and start. Um, I've been cranking away on some uh, some more of my heavy gear blitz miniatures. So here we have some black talons as well as northern. 
the the most notable is that just thing a here. Pile is that... of artillery rockets. Is that what that is? On which one? Sorry. On the top left. I was on the top left. Yeah, those are anti-personnel uh, rocket launchers. Oh, so just, ooh, I don't just like a... that at all. Get rid of those. You're not allowed to play those. <laughs> just, just a pepper box of like damage five anti-infantry with a five-inch blast. Ugh. It's okay. So yeah, so those are the Raptors in the upper left. Uh, this time I did one of them with a heavy bazooka and the other one or also holding a hammer. Mm. <clears throat> Since they're veterans, they can swap out their um, close combat weapon freely with other similar ones. And the great thing about this hammer is that built into it, it has little details of a like a smiley face on one side and a sad face on the other. Like just like the colon parenthesis. Oh, nice. It's pretty great. Um, and then so, yeah, I thought that was kind of appropriate for the bazooka. Like it's going to bazooka you and then just crush you the hammer. The the one next to it has a medium particle, or no, not a medium particle. It's a medium pulse laser, uh, again with the light rocket pods on top. And then I swapped out its close combat weapon from the spike gun. So I think it's a which makes it a medium spike gun. So it's like AP four. Yeah. So it just punches through armor, and they both have brawlers. So I really wanted to emphasize that they have close combat weapons. Yep. So uh, in the games, John, you and I have played. You've played against the raptor, or not the raptor, the vulture a few times, which is. Heavy armor and long range. Mm -hmm. These guys are heavy armor and punch you in the face. Gotcha. So gotcha. instead of tank guns, they've got pulse lasers and uh, pulse lasers, rotary cannons, and heavy bazookas. Gross. I hate all of it. So they're made for getting close. Um, and then to the right of them are is another dark Kodiak and dark Cobra. Mm -hmm. This time I did both of them with the um, with the MPA profiles. Sure. The crazy. The crazy thing about their MPAs is that they're also precise. So, oh wow, precise and advanced. Precise and advanced on both of them. And then well, that's the what makes dark... laser cannons good. And now you don't pay the. Oof, that's gross. I don't like it at all. Yeah, and then the Kodiak has a precise light anti-tank missile. While the also Cobra gross. next to, yeah, while the Cobra next to it has uh, artillery rockets and a guided mortar. So, Ooh. great weapons all around. Like them both. Good thing you'd only take like one of these. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much. Uh, with just about any variant of anything in, in Black Talons, you have like one. Yeah. Um, so then underneath the Raptors, I've got a pair of skirmishers. Right after I took this picture, I went ahead and ripped the arms off the bazooka skirmisher and did a light uh, light auto cannon and frag cannon. Mm, okay. Just because I, the more I looked at it, the less I wanted to actually run the light bazooka. Mm -hmm. They already have light rocket packs, which are AP at the same range bands. Like, I'm not getting a lot out of the bazooka itself. Sure. Um, and then to the right of those are a pair of Wildcats of the North, which their their story is funny. They're basically their entire background is they're not very good, and only one faction buys them, and that's the Western Protectorate, mm -hmm. uh, which is what I'm playing for the North. They couldn't sell them to anyone else. So they basically had to sell them at clearance prices to get rid of them. And the Western Protectorate is like, we can afford clearance prices. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take your not very good gears and have them be not very good with us. And then the, <laughs> exactly. And then the last thing on the bottom here is the hoplite, which is the heavy APC that is in Peace River, but also um, seconded to Black Talons. Oh, I see. Well, I guess I'll have to be getting one of those at some point then. Yeah, and I magnetized it. And it was it would have been smarter to magnetize it before I decided not to magnetize it and glued it all together. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, about right. But, but but basically, like, yeah, I I felt the shame of Frank, who magnetizes every stupid little thing. Yeah, his um, his shame game is strong. Yeah, it is. 
And I figured out that if I just glued all of the parts together for the field gun in the back, yeah, I could finagle a magnet in kind of a funny spot to hold it on. Mm. And then the the issue was the um, the APC version, which has uh, you can see the bits on the left there. It has yep. like a back door that covers up the spot in the back where the field gun's sticking out. You know, like a like a hatch for infantry. Sure. Yep. Um, and then that top piece, and they they only just touch at the corner. So I just built a big block of green stuff that fills the whole back of the vehicle. Oh, I see. But then the two pieces conclude to that, and that green stuff gives me a spot to set the magnet in to magnetize to the weird spot that I hooked up the field gun to. Nice. Clever. Yeah, and then for the guns, I just um, I just pinned them. They're yeah. too small and fiddly to bother magnetizing. A pin holds them on just fine. Yep. And there we go. So I was off, I was off to the races. I had a fully modular hoplite now. Nice. That's pretty well, rad. I look forward to anti-tank missiling it. I'd prefer you didn't, but I mean, like, for, it's like ten points for a light field gun that air drops. That's pretty good. It's what AR AR seven four four. Yeah, so it's armor. It's the same as one of your light, uh, one of your light tanks, mm-hmm. except one action. It, one action. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's 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 less good. It's just as resilient. Minus agile. It's Agile's less resilient. Huge. Agile is so huge. It's but, so huge. But it's a freaking light field gun wherever I want it. That's really what it is. That's pretty cool. So that's what I built. What did you get up to? Well, I built my uh, Rally Jerboa, which is important because it's going Excellent. fast. Yep. Uh, I also put together another, my last missing LHT67 profile. So this is the, with the MPA on it and the light, anti, uh, light airburst missiles. Uh, I sort of you know, you have to glue the flight stand in and it's just a ball and socket joint. And I thought I had eyeballed it correctly. So it was like vertical. Right. But I actually did it. So it was dipped down a little bit. So it looks like it's decelerating. Uh, so I just made the turret aim up a little bit and everything worked out fine, which is one of the things that I really like about the heavy gear miniatures is they're all posable, at least to this degree, some mm-hmm. way more than this, some way less. Right. But like it's at least you can sort of customize it. So it's not just like every tank has it's, turret pointing straight forward and like that's all it is so it gives you lets you give a little bit of character to your minis and you know assembly mistakes like this uh, can turn into some pretty cool like sort of slight pose differences which is fun i enjoyed that so you actually made it look really good yeah like the way i do everything <laughs> else um let's see i put together um my hospitalers and i think uh some of the order sergeants and uh i rebased some of the Acon that I bought from um, from Tim. The Bogmarie are currently in simple green getting stripped. Sorry, Tim. Uh, not that your paint job was bad. I just wanted to do them in a different color. So doing that thing. And also I wanted to get them off the base so I could uh, put them on my resin bases that I'm putting all my pano on. Uh, he's actually gotten two of the regular snipers, the old one and the new one. Oh, nice. That so old regular sniper is great. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty awesome. I'm really happy with that. I'll probably just, uh, you know, paint the paint the plastic base, you know, whatever color I end up painting the base, uh, the resin bases, because there's enough stuff covering it that you won't really notice anyway. So it seems fine. Uh, I look Both forward to getting... are fantastic. What's up? That, like that, that old, or the, the old sniper and the new sniper. Yeah. Both oh, they're, they're great. so great. I'm, I'm excited to just like put a sniper literally anywhere on the table and cover. So yeah, it's going to be a good time. Uh, I also just look forward to, playing them are they, on the table. Are they also mine layers or something goofy like that? Probably. 
<laughs> I don't think I don't think they do. I think it's they have like a Ford Observer that's a mine layer or something. There, there's like a that. mine layer They're profile hack- for sure. They're, their hacker has a stuff. grenade launcher and a fast panda. Yeah, they've got some really weird profiles for the regulars. They're pretty great. It's very silly. Um, yeah, that's what I did. Okay, what, tell us about this thing. Uh, so I'm working on uh, my defiance miniatures here, mm-hmm. and uh, figured that the uh, the Nox being the uh, prolific uh, bad guys that you shoot down. Or probably uh, that I should start with them first, and uh, mainly just got the black done so far, and I got all the bases for them done. Uh, so just kind of slowly working through those. Gotcha. I like that. By the end of this, you're going to have a Shazlasti army. I mean, except for the parts that I don't buy. Yeah, you're going to have a Shazlasti <laughs> army. <laughs> one of us. Welcome oh, maybe one up. of you. Yeah, so did these, and then uh, I also did a little bit of sculpting uh, on a uh, Grinzer, which uh, John's got up there. Yeah, so I just uh, took the Grinzer from the uh, Securitate uh, SWC box and chopped up the arms quite a bit and reposed them so that he is firing his gun. Is his foot on a tactical cleat? Like for tying up a boat? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I figured that my uh, my Tunguska and my uh, talk are going to be in kind of a shipyard is the, the plan. Uh, so That's that'll fun. be what that, what that table looks like. Uh, it's kind of a city urban landscape with some... I got some of those major major big towers from Brutal Cities. Um, mm. And uh, I got like, like dockyard this... Dockyard sort of... Yeah, I figure it'll be like dockyard with like I I got way too much like fun like bits, so it'll be uh probably be hell to actually play on, but it'll look fun. <laughs> like I got a tram system. <laughs> gonna oh, be, oh goodness! <laughs> it's gonna well, be all well, kinds of stuff. Get it ready for Rose City Raid twenty twenty two. Yeah, I might have it built by then. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right, Lord. But that looks, I mean, that's that's fantastic. You know, compared to things you were working on recently, like your Zote, uh, being able to, like, sit down and finish a project might feel good. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was it was fun to put this down, and then, you know, and I looked at the clock, and it was only about an hour and a half that I'd been working on it, so. It's fantastic. Yeah. Big, big, big sea change, right? No more staring at the Zote for, like, a whole month. Yeah, it's nice to to get done with that. I mean, it was like seventeen sessions. So it was like over over two and a half or over three months. So. Oh God, that's right. Well, it, well, looks, it looks great. Like... So if you haven't <laughs> seen it, you should go check out Obi's channel, uh, in my hobby, and uh, it's linked to on uh, Late Night Wargame channel. So you can go check it out and you see all the wonderful work he's put in on his Zote. Well, cool. So is that all you got for us this week? Yeah, that's that's all I've really been working on. Excellent. Well, it's time. I like to do games. That's what I like to do. Helps to push the right button. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, John, we played some games. We did. Uh, I guess we could talk about our Infinity game first. Let's do that. Sure. The Last Moran. To the Last Moran. 
which is what you should have done. Yeah, I, at first I thought you were calling me a moron. Um, then I read it again no. and realized I was a moron. That is um, not what I was insinuating. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, we played, was it Supplies? Supplies, yep. Yes. Here you go. Yeah, we played Supplies. John had a couple Moran. I don't know. John, you tell him, tell him what you brought. Yeah, so I had Interventor Lieutenant, a Zonautica hacker, Evader Engineer with bot, Sombra Specialist Operative with Breaker Rifle, Breaker Combi, sorry, uh, Prowler with Combi Life Flamethrower Adhesive Launcher, Carlotta, Nauf, TR Bot, Missile Bot, Double Moran, and a Morlock because they had points. And uh, nice. you had... I think this is my all-in-one do-everything list. Yeah, it was. So this was my list that was, I want to do Bromat Academy. I want to make sure that we're playing one of our next ITS missions. Yep. And I want to max out my availability. Yep, four Bromat and Academy. I want, yep, and I want to make sure I have a lot of infiltration to talk about tonight's episode. Yep. So this is uh, everything. And what I actually didn't dislike the list. Well, I think so, the list is great. Yep, a... Um, you actually got my my Minutemen wrong in this one, but that's fine. So I had a Minuteman Lieutenant with the plus one um, command token, and then a Minuteman NCO ah. with APHMG. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but I kept using his Lieutenant order, so you thought it was my Lieutenant. It was totally fine. Yeah. Um, didn't really matter. He kicked my butt. Spoilers. Uh, and then, <laughs> um, yep, the Unknown Ranger. Who? So that was my three-man link. Um, then a Maverick Ford Observer. Three or four, three grunt infiltrators, yep. a war core, two foxtrot Ford observers, a foxtrot sniper, a foxtrot boarding shotgun, two hard cases, uh, one with bow, one with shotgun, and then my blackjack APHMG. So I had 14 models, meaning that there's always the threat for uh, Van Zant. I deployed like it. Wasn't it. Huh? <laughs> I deployed for it. Yeah. I mean, that's you, you have to honor Van Zant. So I wanted to make sure you did that. And yeah, so the other thing I did is I held the blackjack off as reserve. So my most expensive, or my second most expensive outside of the Unknown Ranger. Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't know, uh, you wouldn't be able to count my points beforehand and get a good idea, especially with all the camp workers. So yeah, I felt pretty good about that. Um, I, I felt really good up until you started your turn. <laughs> so I ended up with first turn. You picked deployment, right? Or was it the other way? No, I picked deployment. And I picked deployment work. and you took first. Oh, that's right. Okay. So basically you deployed first and you just like pooped out a million camo tokens everywhere. And I was like, I, and you were like, I'm going to be clever and I'm going to have some standing and some prone, but most of them standing. So you'll like, John will think they're all like all hard case decoys. And I just basically was like, they're all fox traps, whatever. And I just moved on with my day. Uh, and I was like, they're all just things with rifles and whatever. It doesn't, it's fine. I, I, Sort of figured out that your fox shot sniper was actually a fox shot sniper, um, but I was like, eh, not gonna worry about it too hard. Um, and so when I counter deployed you, I found a spot where I could see uh, your Minuteman link with the TR bot and Nauf. So I put them both covering stuff uh, and mm -hmm. catching certain. Like I think I caught Nauf out of cover, which was a which was a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. And then um, I put my missile bot watching your blackjack. Which maybe right. was a mistake, maybe not. I think it was fine. Uh, it was it was a calculated risk, in my opinion. 
Um, but yeah, so I think you had a pretty reasonable first turn, right? That's pretty impressive, right? You have a TR bot, a, like a high quality sniper, and a missile watching like all of your main pieces that you would use to do things. Yeah, I was able to take them all down. You did, right? So the first thing that happened was uh, you you covered your link with smoke so you could some move around. You took out NAF with your Foxtrot sniper. Uh, you lost the Fox shot sniper because I blew him up with the missile bot because it turns out the missile bot could also see him. And then you shot down yeah. the missile bot with um, with the uh, uh, blackjack because we were in bad range for both of us. We were at like 42 inches or something. Um, right. Which is a bummer. Um, yeah. So then you were like, okay, I think it's time to clear out because uh, people who play who play uh, Morans for the first time, they're like, oh, koalas are great. They're going to stop you cold. Like, no, all they do is force a dodge. And that's exactly what happened. You cleared both koalas by dodging the, the your um, hard cases. Yeah. And then I just started spotlighting stuff. Um, and I think you, after you did all the things you needed to do and also cleared the koalas, uh, and you even made an attempt on killing one of the Morans, right? So you actually uh-huh. um, got a, uh, a grunt into position to take a double shotgun uh, on, on dice, not on template. Uh, at my Moran, mm-hmm. and I just happened to crit right on my dodge um, and dodge into close combat because um, it was the side where the Morlock was, and you can guess what happened next turn. Uh, yeah, but then so you, big mistake there. Yeah, you. Never, but then you sorry, good. Honestly, never move. Um, don't move close enough to get dodged and engaged. Mm. Like you know, in this case, I I didn't think that you would beat link shotguns, but it does happen. Right. And yeah. what ends up happening is now my guy that I sent there to kill you, who is terrible in close combat, is stuck in close combat. Your guy, who is also terrible in close combat. And that right. can just be a ton of orders wasted to do nothing. Well, you cleverly stopped. I think you had more orders and you were like, I'm yeah, not going to bother and I'm going to do something else clever. And I think you like moved your link around into a better position or something, which was absolutely the right yeah. thing to do. Um, and that tied up my Moran. And next turn, if I didn't do anything about it, you still had a grunt there and you could have spent one but order of the link. If yeah. I was three inches away, I could have spent another order shooting you. Yeah. So right, there is still the chance that you pass the dodge. Right. I just didn't think you would get into close combat, but it was the correct thing for you to do. Yeah, I was like, well, I I can just get into close combat because I've got a, a Morlock like a move and a half away. And right. Stop shooting me. Fix it. Yeah, Let's exactly. hug. Um, and then I think I think the real mistake was uh, you then went after the supply box, which is playing to the mission, right? So. At first blush, it was like, that's not a mistake. Like, you're doing the thing you're supposed to do. And um, mm-hmm. basically, you went and grabbed the supply box, and I spotlight, spotlight you through my Moran repeater. Um, and then on my first turn, I just started dropping missiles and everything. So yeah, first I hurt. took out um, the Foxtrot. Oh, so, well, my missile bot was dead. So I, I fixed it and the TR bot with the Evader. Then I started dropping missiles on it. I killed the Foxtrot with the box. I killed... Um, one of the uh, uh, hard cases, I brought in Carlotta behind you, glued your Blackjack, killed your Maverick, and um, I think that was it, right? Oh, and, and, I, and I killed your, your Grunt with my Morlock. Is that it, John? <laughs> yeah. So that was a, that was a pretty big swing uh, at, the bottom of, at the bottom of one, I think. Um, and a lot of that was made possible by Spotlight. Just having the oppressive midfield presence. And I think the only way that you can really deal with it in N4 these days is you could sort of like try to play passively. That's exactly what you decided to do, right? Because the spotlight is designed to, uh, oh, sorry, my configuration of my list is designed to suck orders from you. If you're going to do anything yeah. in the midfield, if you ignore my Morans and you allow me to 
to attempt to spotlight you. If you don't clear that state, I'm going to drop a missile on your face, right? Uh, but clearing that state means walking out of repeater range, which is main, maybe not where you want to be because maybe you want to be in the midfield for whatever reason, right? Probably to contest something. Uh, mm -hmm. You have to leave it and then reset. Um, and that costs at least an order, if not two, right? Going back into camo yeah, is reasonable. Is a big deal. Yeah, you could go back into camo, but a lot of the things that were spotlit, um, well, specifically the grunt, you know, and the unknown ranger cannot go back into camo. So yeah, um, that doesn't work for those cases. And that's actually what I think caused everything to crumble. Um, you got the, I mean, I, I guess I'm not entirely sure why you went, brought the unknown ranger up onto the landing pad anyway, because later in the game, um, uh, let's see, where, where is it? Well, he's a specialist. Right, but you had you had a specialist there already, is my point. Oh, with the foxtrot. Yeah. So so this uh, this uh, silhouette marker was there to for for me to remind myself that there was a foxtrot standing there next to that grunt that was prone, uh, and like you know you had no way of knowing that I had a prowler right there. Um, yeah. It. I wanted. I. I remember correctly. I felt like the foxtrot was my backup plan. Mm -hmm. Unknown ranger is six two. Sure. So he can move more quickly and shoot. So the idea was like, if I have to fight for this thing, if you move something over to draw a bead or line of fire there, or get that more, get that morlock up there, right? Uh, like he might, he might be able to take a morlock in close combat. Oh yeah, he's 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 pretty good. He's he's natural born warrior, right? Doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's so probably it, okay. Yeah. So it's more about it was more about it was the the tougher thing to move up and take that box with if I couldn't retreat in the same turn. Sure. Yeah, but I guess to Clint's point, right? Yeah, you can go back into camo if you aren't carrying a supply box, right? So there's that as well. Yeah, that too. So if you, I, but that makes a hard case an excellent candidate for this, right? So I guess the if you read the discussion at the end of the battle report, basically it's me saying like, if you're facing this, what you should do on your first turn is like throw whatever you need under the bus to get rid of the Morans because that means I have mm -hmm. no board control at that point. And I'm down two orders, and I really need those orders. Um, so yeah, that is bad for me, and you should do that thing. Um, and hard cases are good at that because they can't pick up the supply box anyway. They, I guess they they can't go back into camo, or can they? They can. They can. Okay. Yeah. So you can you can just uh, clear yeah. the koala, get spotlit, kill the moran, go back into camo, and then just like chortle, right? that's all yeah they've got high fizz for dodging the uh, koalas yeah exactly and you're not dodging on a negative there so that's also fine but yeah that's basically the the gist of the game you can go read it if you're interested it's on mercurycon.net um i go into a little more detail and then uh we have some more discussion with uh adam and some folks on the internet at the end of the article as well yeah it was frustrating john nuked the hell out of me um i think the the takeaway was that the uh, the spotlight in TR basically midfield repeaters and spotlight is the new TR bot of N4, right? right? Like it's it's the thing that if you're not you know when you're new and you're an into it or you know and you're new to the edition, um, you haven't really developed a strategy to fight that specific thing. Mm -hmm. It's gonna feel super bad. Yeah. But once you develop a strategy, I mean, yeah, like you said, I should have just doubled down on kill on killing the Moran on turn one. Uh, what I didn't want to have have happened was to not get any objectives on turn one and have you make off with two or three of them. Yes. And I think like, so. So it's actually interesting. The, the guy Savnok, um, who replied mm -hmm. to me on the forums about this, he was like, Oh, I, I feel like in comparison cool. to nomads, um, 
U.S. Ariadna has like poop, or as he put it, N3 era board control. And I was like, no, they have great board control, right? Now, now they have better board control now than they did in N3 because they can land a grunt and not have to yeah. roll for it. That's huge. Yeah, um, it is massive. And sure, it's not as fun as like completely non-interactive. Like you do anything, I spotlight you, LOL, LOL. Like you're going to get a missile next turn. Um, but right. at the same time, you're still firing a giant cloud of napalm at me if I walk around the corner. No, and a grunt. You know, with arm six and cover can take a lot of, like sometimes you can just get lucky with those saves over and over again. Yeah. It really sucks to deal with. Yeah, it really does. So I, I think had you not gone after the objectives, I think you had a reasonable chance of stalling me out and you have some stuff already advanced in the midfield to go take out my, my box grabbers. Um, yeah. So I think, I think you would have been okay, especially with this list that had six things in the midfield and the bike. Yeah, for sure. And I'm also, I mean, in a way, I'm also relearning USA. You know, I sure. played a ton of them in N3, and I really got a feel for them, but there are new things to deal with in N4 yes. that I don't have practice against, and midfield repeater nets is one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, actually giving a damn about hacking is new to me. Right. <laughs> I didn't care at all. Not yeah. even a little bit about your hacking. Like, oh, cool, Moran, whatever, I'm going to dodge this koala and shoot you. Um, it was pretty was funny a- though when I hacked your blackjack that one time in N3, and you're like, "Wait, oh, oh crap!" Yeah, right. And I think it might have been like the last time I took a blackjack in N3. Yeah, I'm I like, think you're like, yeah, you're just like, have this noise. Blackjack yeah, give suck. me my devil dog. Yeah, it's exactly. fine. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, then you and I played a couple games of Heavy Gear. Yep. And this was really, uh, I think. We were really testing both of them around this, um, the the bikes. Yes. Specifically the, the Grell hover bikes. Yes. And, and yeah. do they suck or not? The answer is they <laughs> don't suck and they're very good. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, holy hell. So this game was really fun because I got to bust out my, my drop airs, which for those who aren't familiar with the fluff, it's basically a regiment in the Northern Army where they have figured out precisely the heaviest thing you can safely, in quotes, throw out of the back of an aircraft. So they have airdrop, which is basically infinity infiltrate, um, with just absolutely massive weaponry for things that just start off in the midfield. So it was a lot of fun um, to put them on the table. I definitely made some mistakes in deployment, but the other thing, uh, yeah, so the other thing that I think really cost me the game that was just those dm hover bikes so yeah maybe we should talk about why they're so good uh really quick so basically the idea is that um with my force composition i took two two recon squads uh and one gp squad or general purpose squad so the recon squad allows me to do this objective called detailed scan which is basically i pick um one of there's the, I nominate some of Adam's models as a detailed scan target. The other objective I chose was assassinate, which is I can point at a model and say, I'm going to kill that thing by the end of the game and get a point if I do it. Uh, and so that's basically it. And effectively, for you Infinity folks out there who haven't played Heavy Gear, this amounts to uh, picking, a, picking a model, one of, like, uh, picking a target on Adam's, in Adam's list, whip rolling it, and, um, and then shooting it. Right, so stuff is a little yeah. tougher in heavy gear than infinity. You probably need like at least two orders worth of shooting at something to kill it with the, the appropriate gun. Um, rarely will you just like completely blat something off the table. Um, but jet bikes um, are basically looking for a four up on a d6 on two d6. 
right? So if I make a four up on either of those things, uh, I get my my whip roll passed, right? So that's a pretty mm -hmm. that's a seventy five percent chance of passing that. Um, and hover bikes move twenty four inches. Yeah, so, so you can move two feet, and then yeah. as long as you end up within six inches of one of my characters, yeah, you have a seventy five percent chance of yeah. getting your objective. So zone of control is six inches, right? Quote unquote. So I have a thirty yeah. inch threat range to achieve my objective. And Grail Hoverbikes actually have reasonable guns to challenge a light gear. Uh, so if you're, uh, you know, uh, uh, if you're not like Mr. Chonky, enormous arm nine gear, then uh, I have stand a reasonable chance of killing you. So um, Hoverbikes are really good. Uh, we've, we've talked to Rooster. Uh, we've uh, gotten the rules adjusted a little bit to hopefully make that less of an issue. Now the quote unquote whip roll is an opposed roll which helps a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, a couple other like very minor tweaks, but the game is really, was really fun. I had a good time. Uh, I really, yeah. is, I'm starting to figure out how tanks work now, which is a lot of fun. Um, they don't and, like uh, getting close to gears. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's uh, not up to my infinity battle report standards, but um, I need to better than my <laughs> battle reports. <laughs> Yeah, so it was. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, I'm really starting to to like the way CEF plays on the table, um, and they they're starting to click for me, which they were not at all before. I was just like, I don't understand what's happening. I feel very ham fisted at the table, uh, but I'm finally figuring it out. So then I, I played one more game against Frank, um, and basically this was in direct response to this game against Adam. So this game uh, uh, engendered a lot of discussion in our, our, our rules chat. Um, and basically this was the game where we tested whether or not an opposed role would quote unquote fix the problem. And Frank and I sort of uh, under the watchful eye of, of Rooster um, sort of determined that it's probably a suitable enough fix to, to make bikes uh, not OP anymore. So yeah. that's pretty good. That's going to make it into the new edition, which is fun. Um, yeah. Very cool. Then oh yeah so um you can check out both those battle reports on your blog right did you also put them on Lumbering Sprocket yep everything I post on uh, on MercuryCon that's heavy gear related ends up on Lumbering Sprocket because of the magic of scripting yay scripting cool and then actually I, I you know just really quickly I did play one more game of Infinity Nate Kapke resurfaced came out of the abyss and what? showed up in my garage with the mask on. And he's also been, uh, he's received both of his shots, lucky bastard. Mm -hmm. So, was he invited or did he, was he just like, he, he just, he randomly showed up and you're like, ah. <laughs> oh, he says he's writing about it right now. Oh, man. It was, it was fun hanging out and playing a game with Nate again. It was an incredibly frustrating game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, so similar to, um, the game that I had against you with the uh, with the Moran, and then the game I had against you with the bikes, I was just feeling like I couldn't make anything stick. Mm. Um, Nate was making a lot of arm you know arm saves. You know, I made a lot of armor saves when I first turned too, so that felt like it felt a little bit better at the end. But like when it takes me an entire turn to kill a single Naga, Ugh. like that's fresh. Like I think it was my if I remember correctly, my entire first turn was dedicated to killing a proxy Mark IV. Mm -hmm. And then my entire second turn was dedicated to killing a Naga. And we were playing frontline, so so killing things matter. 
I need to kill things to reduce his number of points on the table. And it just wasn't happening. Uh, I think by the time I started, you know, by his third turn, he was down one order. In my third turn, I was down seven or eight orders. That's rough. Yeah, it was frustrating. Losing, I was losing important models in my active turn. It was just, yeah. But that's fine, because being able to, to play a game with another human being was worth it. Mm. Even if that person was Nate. <laughs> well, I mean, Nate qualifies <laughs> as a Borg, right? So. Yeah, exactly. It's mostly that. human. Yep. Um, and then, Obi, I think you got a game in, right? Yeah, I got a game in uh, Saturday. I uh, was able to get a game in in person outside, which was fun with masks and all that fun stuff. With and uh, finally got to try out Panic Room. And what'd you think? Uh, it was fun. I don't think I brought a good list for it. I was trying, I when I was uh, thinking about what to play, uh, I hadn't played my Tunguska in a long time, and I wanted to try out the first six with a plus three BS. <laughs> Chris cool. Cool. Yep. Sure. And uh, it was not as fun as I thought it would be because I'm throwing, I throw four dice or, you know, six dice and I hit with like one or two. And I'm like, this is just not the rate of return that I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my, yeah, I, the, the, the Kreeza is exciting and, you know, the internet loves to like throw shit fits over it. Um, but to me, like anything that the Kreeza was shooting at previously was pretty well screwed and so now it's like oh well it's also pretty well screwed well i mean it's actually less it's quite a bit less screwed because before that negative three from their full auto couldn't be negated. was applied to dodge as well as you know it's applied to everything that they did but now they can you know they can dodge a lot easier so uh, my one game with a burst six kreza this season uh i think it was against eric and I actually found it to be really strong, not because I'm throwing six dice at something, but because I can throw three dice at two things. Sure. Yeah, that, that was also part of the problem is like, you know, that was my plan. But uh, because of just the way uh, the that that mission is and I didn't have first turn, he was able to just shove everything into the the panic room or shove a lot of gotcha. things in the panic room. Right. You know, couldn't really get the angle to get more than one thing at a time. I finally ran almost all the way around the board or, you know, into the other half of the table to get a couple things that were hiding on the far side of that. And, gotcha, uh, gotcha. but, um, overall, I think it, it ended up being like maybe a tie. I don't know. It was I, kind of by the end of it, uh, I tried to do a dodge on something and uh if i had been like just a little bit closer uh, uh i would have been into the uh i had been paying attention a little bit more i would have moved it more carefully and uh been tying up with uh holding the uh the uh, uh hvt gotcha uh, whoops did, did have some fun stuff i tried out two uh two, two specter snipers Ooh, uh, that's interesting yeah because I was trying to to hide them where they could see uh, the opponent's uh, little heater things or like you know antiviral. Uh, oh machines, yeah, 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 yeah. Hand washing things. stations. Uh, <laughs> yes. And uh, to keep the uh, you know to not only to keep my own alive but also to uh, to shoot his if possible. 
Um, and then the one that I actually had set up there, he ended up trying to missile with a Zanying and I, you know, jumped out to shoot him and he just, I could not hit him. It was ridiculous. He was at like a minus nine to hit me. So he couldn't hit me, but he, you know, he's just prancing through out in the open and I could not hit him on a 12. So that's <laughs> it was rough. a little frustrating. Brutal. I caught all of that while I went and grabbed a new beer because my yeah. mouth tastes like grass. Grass beer. Grass beer. It's, it's good for you. It's like, like it didn't taste awful, but now my mouth does taste like I spilled my, my beer in the lawn and sucked it out of the grass. Mm. So ringing Lots endorsement. Beer. It's what plant <laughs> Adam craves. <laughs> You're going to get him as a sponsor now. <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 definitely not getting the Kizakura uh, brewery out of Kyoto, Japan, as a sponsor now. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You should talk you to you know, about you it. You just need to up your your selling game. Like, tastes like a fresh mode lawn. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, it's it's fine. It, you know, it tastes like matcha, right? It tastes like matcha and beer. It tastes just as good. As if you made matcha with beer. Uh, if that sounds it tastes like a fresh meadow. Exactly. <laughs> taste of spring. Yeah, there you go. Ovi's got it. That's the tagline. Boom. Selling a million bottles. So speaking of sponsors, if New Belgium would like to sponsor us, I'm very much enjoying my fat tire next. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't get too much of the grass tasted. Yeah, right. Oh, so much better. Fantastic. All right, well, yeah, we all got games in. Yay, no Yay. crickets for this segment, which is good because we still don't have a cricket sound effect. So that means that we can actually move on and talk about cool things. It's time for our main feature. But first, we have to give oh, away wait, stuff. That's for... right. Yep. I keep doing this wrong. Go to the next page of your notes, Adam. <laughs> so, yep, it's okay. Amateur hour over here. All right, so this time. So every week, MOE Games gives us a $10 store credit to give away to one random listener who's been participating in the chat. Yay, prizes! And uh, the other cool thing is that you can use that $10 towards your very own military orders pre-order that they have up on the site now! Um, yeah, woo! Like, it, it, honestly, like it's a pretty good deal because yeah. it's already marked down from the bundle. Yep. So and then you like, get $10 more dollars off, basically, if you yeah, win the thing. Yeah, and... And on top of the normal discount that he does anyways. So if yep. you'd like to get more than 300 points of military orders for for not much, check it out. Um, so yeah, this is your chance to, to make sure that you have said at least something during this chat. I'm stalling for you people who, we've got 15 people, and I think I'll do it now, and you'll get a prize. Um, anyways, all right, it is time. John, go ahead and push the button. That was that was that was the sound button. How about the name button? I did. Tanaka Skyler has won the giveaway. Oh, there it is. Tanaka Skyler, I'll go ahead and shoot you a private message and get your information there over to Ruben. Um, but yeah, thanks again for MOE game or from MOE games to MOE games. Thanks, thank them. Yes, (laughs) these lovely folks. MOE-games.com. Folk. Indeed. So, there we go. Congratulations. 
Hanako, Skyler, and now it's time for infiltration. Mm-hmm. All right, so this week we are kind of you know moving into talking about specific infinity tactics, right? We talk about the game in broad a lot, and now it's time to start talking about some specific rules. And infiltration, it's a great one. It's fun. Use it. So first, let's talk a little bit about, for the people who are newer to the game, what infiltration is. It's basically a way to start your troops further up the board. That's the super quick way to describe it. Um, If you have infiltration, huh? Usually up to halfway. Yep, exactly. So if you have infiltration, you can deploy halfway up the table for free. Um, Yep. Or you can try to deploy over the halfway mark outside of the enemy deployment zone at a phase minus three roll. Yep. And that's very familiar if you played uh, N3. It works exactly the same way. But what has changed is both inferior and superior infiltration. Yes. So with inferior infiltration, it used to be previously that you basically had to attempt to roll over. Yeah, you had to try. And you had to roll Um, that negative three. Yeah. And now they have got rid of it. It's just gone. (laughs) It has changed by not existing anymore. So all the troops before that had inferior, inf- inferior infiltration, like the grunts, you know, are, were the one that I ran into a lot. Yep. And no longer have to try to... Metros, huh? volunteers. Yeah, metros. A lot of our yeah, yeah, infiltrators. Quite a lot of, like, light infantry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Delami also had it. Yep. But what's great is now they can just infiltrate like normally. You can deploy them on near half the table, which makes infiltrating grunts 10 times more obnoxious than they were before. Oh my God, they're so annoying now. And if you really want to, you can, you can still make that attempt if, you, you know, if that's critical to your plans, but not having to make the roll is such a huge change for all of those units. Yep. Yeah. Well, so you figure like a, um, a grunt previously was Fizz 11, so had a 40% chance of landing. I've often taken three or four of them to a tournament and landed one all tournament. It's just frustrating, and you know everyone talks about how amazing they are, and it's like, yeah, they're amazing because you remember the one game you landed all four of them? Yes. And, and then it then, feels real good. Yeah, it feels great. I did that one time against Daniele, and I felt terrible because I, I deployed first, I landed three of them, yep. and basically limited his deployment options to one spot, and then my reserve was a fourth one that landed right in front of that one spot. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, this game is stupid. I can, I can hear him already. That that very legitimately might be the last time he he played a game of Infinity. <laughs> no joke. Good work, Adam. But, Way to work. I know, right? Ruin it for everyone. But now that you have the option, um, I will probably not try. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that a little bit. I want to really drill into the do we or don't we uh, when it comes to that sure. phase roll. So, yeah. So inferior infiltration changed by ceasing to exist. Right. And nobody shed a single tear. I mean, it's it's still there in the sense that you have to make the negative three if you choose to cross the center line, but now the the uh, obligation to do it and make the attempt is no longer there. Um, yeah, superior yeah, infiltration, yeah. on the other hand, is exactly the same in terms of effect on the table and during the game, but uh, the mechanics by which they achieve that is different. So, uh, right, basically what they've done now is they've, uh, instead of granting a plus three instead of a negative three over, for going over the center line, they just gave a, a plus six to everybody plus six, that had yeah. 
superior infiltration before, and now it's just mm-hmm. infiltration plus six. So if you make the attempt, uh, it's going to be you know plus six minus three, so you're at plus three net. So it's the same effect, uh, but they've arrived at the same effect a different way. And then of course, if you deploy on your side of the table, you don't need to roll at all, so that plus six is meaningless. So this is a nice clean way of uh, of achieving the same result and not having to write any more text um, in in the in the rules. Yeah, exactly. They basically both changed by not existing and then yeah. having a modifier for superior. But yeah, with the with it, with the grunts, it's a fizz eleven would be a twenty five percent chance, right, of landing one. Is there fizz eleven and minus net minus six? Minus six is minus. It's just minus three for doing over the center line. I don't think they have an addition. Do they have an additional minus three? I, I thought no. they had an additional minus three. No, I, I don't think so. Oh, you know what they did when the when the new edition first came out. They all the things they had inferior infiltration had like infiltration minus three, and then I think somebody realized, oh wait, we we ch- did that in the rules, and they went through and changed all the profiles. Mm. That's absurd. That's way more absurd than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah. So now. So now they're basically exactly in the position they were before, except they can deploy up to halfway up the table. Good lord. It's gross. So, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, so then, how, how is how is infiltration different than forward deployment? Because a lot of stuff is forward deployment plus four inches or plus eight inches. What's the difference? Right. So forward deployment basically just extends the deployment zone for that unit. It moves it up that distance where infiltration is always halfway up the table. So it would be like, um, it'd almost be like forward deployment 12 inches plus right. the option to roll over halfway. So they're, you know, they're they're different. And really the big difference is that chance to roll. And I know yeah. that it's, it is it is factored into the points where I do believe infiltration is more expensive than um, forward deployment. So yep. it's definitely worth considering. Like I said, we should drill into that in a little bit. Um, you're you're paying for that opportunity to roll, but you so don't need it. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I would venture to say that forward deployment plus eight is about the same as infiltration in most cases. Forward de- deployment plus four is a noticeably different thing. Yeah, yeah. The oftentimes forward deployment plus four just gives you the chance to like get into that little piece of terrain that's just outside your deployment zone yeah, for cover. Effectively, right? You're like, oh, I really would like to deploy next to that crate, but I can't because it's just outside my deployment zone now. Right, it's, sort of it's stuff. 12 and an eighth inches up. Yeah. And it also helps you when you're, uh, you just need to break up your deployment zone a little bit. Right. So mm-hmm. All crammed together. It's uh, great for links. The other, yeah. other thing too that is kind of a, a big difference is that with infiltration, you're always, pretty much always guaranteed that half with the forward deployments, uh, depending on how large the uh, your deployment zone is starting, it's limiting how far you actually get to go. That's true, because if you look at, um, oh, what is it? Not Firefight. There's one mission that has a 16-inch deployment Acquisition. zone. Acquisition, thank you. Which means forward deploy two, deploying up to the halfway mark. So yeah. it makes it the same as infiltration at that point. But yeah. pack as well. Well, the power, power pack is weird because you can go half on some point, but you still can't end in that middle zone oh, area. Yeah, that middle, like, yeah. four-inch strip. Like, I think they, they changed it this season, because, whereas before you actually were able to, just, it was the same. But uh, Yeah, I said they, if you had four deploy two, you could do every, your entire table edge, table side, rather. Yeah. Yeah, so there there's subtle differences. Uh, other than, you know, four deploy just defines how, where you can go. Infiltration is always half. Is the easiest way to remember it. Yeah. 
And of course, you you have to obey exclusion zones for all of this. Yeah, so there are definitely some things to consider uh, when you're infiltrating units, and exclusion zones are are one of those. Um, so, as as somebody new coming into the game, you know, where this might not be obvious, why do I want to get closer? Like this is a shooting game, and if I'm starting in combi rifle range, like that could be bad for me. Um, and I think really it comes down to two major concepts, right? One of them is um, planning objectives, right? That's that's the most basic one. The objectives aren't in your deployment zone; they're up the table. So infiltration right away is letting you move up the table. Camo infiltrators are often like the first thing that a lot of people put in their list. You know, they're going to go like, "I'm playing Ariadna or or US Ariadna," starting off with two or three foxtrots. Boom, go. You're playing nomads, you're going to throw in a couple zeros. Um, the 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 cheap way to get a easy to defend model up the board right away is really important. And I think the other one is kind of extending your your threat bubble. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is this is something that, you know, there's a lot of infiltrators that don't have camouflage and they get kind of poo-pooed, but I think that this is what they're for. Starting a Zerat up the table with ODD and a uh, Red Fury potentially in suppressive fire. That's that's tough. Same thing with all those uh, with all those grunt infiltrators, the heavy flamethrowers. What you're really doing is just extending what you can hit on turn one, and it's stuff that your opponent is then going to have to deal with. Right. So much like AD, it is a order efficiency thing as well, right? So I mean, if you take a look at a zero, it's a BS11 model, arm zero, BTS zero. Like, what business does this have shooting at anything or doing stuff? Why not just take a, a cheaper you know, Aguasil for like half the cost. Well, you've spent, mm-hmm. like you can put it on the center line and that's basically like two free orders of movement without having to do anything, right? Ignoring the yeah. camo state for now. Um, so that's that's a pretty big deal, especially if that thing is a specialist, right? Because now it's exactly where it needs to be to do the mission. So that's a, that's a pretty important consideration as well, right? Just like have the momentum to, to be where you need to be without having yeah, to spend that. any resources. I mean, the other thing is, is, you know, kind of the flip side to your, you know, extending your threat range is it also extends your defensive line um, in a lot of ways by just having those units out there that your opponent has to deal with, kind of like the Moran in uh, your yep. game, where for, for your opponent to move and do the things that they want to do, they've got to deal with this thing. And it also, even in the games where it's just about killing it means that they can't run something as easily, you know, into your back line because, you know, that Agrocele is, if it's in your back line, isn't really able to project much of a threat until that, that thing that's coming to kill it is in range to kill a lot of your army. Right. So a lot of people kind of refer to them as speed bumps in that case. This is, a, an ex- again, a perfect example of like the Grand Infiltrator. Yep. It can't do a whole lot. It's only 11 points, has a heavy flamethrower and, and a light shotgun. Um, it's not a specialist. It's not good at longer, you know, anything over 8 inch or I guess 10 inch of the, the flame template. Um, but what it does do is it makes your opponent have to deal with it. And if it takes your opponent's two, three orders to deal with a, a dug-in infiltrator, then you've earned the orders back that it, you, you, you spent from it dying. And then, God forbid, if you take three grand infiltrators or four grand infiltrators, and they have to basically spend their entire first turn dealing with forty-four points of your army that you 
put up there to die well you know then on your own turn you can abscond with whatever objectives there are yeah. um it's really a great way to just ruin someone's turn <laughs> and i think that's even more apparent in this uh edition because you are limited uh in orders a lot more uh because you you can't have those those super cheap uh you know armies with super cheap uh line infantry that are providing you a a regular order just you know racking up like 20 orders sure so so kind of every order that you make them spend seems more uh more damaging mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and there's other there's other things that you can deploy in the midfield through infiltration that will gum up people almost as well or if not better uh and those are things like uh decoys if you're sure. using hard cases or specimen i guess specimens don't have infiltration with it but Strelux. it's strelux yeah yeah, stray locks. It's a camel marker that your opponent doesn't know what it is, and they can't assume it's nothing. And then, you know, speaking of stray lock, geez, mine layers. Yep. So, yeah, dealing with this camel marker, suddenly, if they know you have access to mine layers, they can't get within eight inches of any of your camel markers because it might just be a mine and blow up in their face. And these are all things that are designed to just force your opponent to spend orders. If they move up the table and spend an order to reveal a decoy, they're going to be really annoyed. Yes. <laughs> like that's just, that's literally spent an order to accomplish nothing and possibly two orders if they had to move, you know, move, move to get in a position right. to do it. So it's, it's important to not over invest though, because if you have too many deployables in the midfield, like, cause you can easily, like some armies can take like four mine layers, right? Sure. And if you did that, then, you know, one, you can throw the war core under the bus. Like, Hey, go check right. out that thing. You should report on that. It's like run through the middle and blow up all the mines, right? Because if you can see multiple mines with one thing, you can throw it under the bus to clear them both, right? Yeah, one fast unit can clear all of it. Yeah, exactly. So that's something to, to worry about as well. And and potentially pass their dodge. Exactly. Know, oh, that's, yeah. that's, there's nothing feels better than when, when somebody fails a whip roll to discover a decoy. Oh, that, like that? I love that. I love it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> or like, or like when somebody like I've had people uh, throw a coordinated order to discover into discovering a decoy like on a roof, and then they all fail. Oh sure, right? Like okay, we're all gonna discover shoot that thing. Yep. <laughs> they declare discover, and you're like uh, nothing. I think you'll fail all of them. Yeah, nothing there, boss. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's fantastic. So generally, the idea with infiltration is that it's kind of a double-edged sword when it comes or not double-edged sword it's it's good in two different ways uh is good for your sword it's a two-bladed sword not (laughs) double-edged both blades are pointed forward i like the analogy um it's like some sort of 40k sword uh (laughs) but basically you are saving orders having to maneuver the troops and you're forcing your opponent to expend orders on their first turn it's board control Right, you are defining the terms at which your opponent is engaging with the table, and if they have to spend their whole first turn dealing with your infiltrators, you're doing fine. That's what you wanted. So, there's some considerations, though. You know, we started to touch on with uh, with infiltrating. Um, first off, not all infiltrators have camo. Mm-hmm. Right, grunt infiltrators don't have camo. Zeroths don't have camo. There's a handful of others. It doesn't mean they're bad. Don't ignore them. A lot of people do, and I, I mean, other than grant infiltrators, because they're so damn cheap. But right, um, 
you don't need to be camouflaged to take advantage. Just understand that you're in a closer position, maybe deploy more conservatively. Maybe if you're doing something fancy like having the Zerat deploy and then spending the command token to do them in suppressive fire up the mid midfield of the table, look, that's worthwhile, but have a plan for it. Don't just deploy it on, you know, on the ground floor, up the table, and watch your opponent run a boarding shotgun into them. Like you need to you need to plan for using the non-camo ones. Camo infiltrators, wherever, man. <laughs> um if you can be clever with it, if you can trick your opponent into thinking that one, you know, if you have access to mine layer decoys, that yep. one camo marker is or isn't, um, that can, you know, your mileage may vary, as we saw with my game against John. Um, but it's all really just coming up with the, with the plan for how you're going to use it and just making sure that you don't deploy non-camo infiltrating mo models in a position they're going to die. Because what's going to happen is they're going to die and you're going to be like, boo, Zerat suck. Um, you know, I really enjoyed Zerats before they got ODD, and now they have ODD, even better. But anytime I deploy them where they can just go get eaten by uh, uh, any warband, yeah, what am I doing? Like yeah, that's and, not and the, the fact call. that there's less warbands around now helps a lot for those guys. That's true. That's a good. That's a good observation of something that's actually changed. It's not really changed about the rules, but changed about the meta that they exist within. And less warbands means less disposable troops soaking up mines, less disposable troops running in and, and chain rifling you. Yep. So chain rifles are actually a consideration to, to think about, too. Um, direct templates don't have to roll. Right? A lot of infiltrators have camouflage. If they're not rolling, it's not going to... Yep. You're not going to like that. Yep. Your camouflage won't matter. They can also intuitive attack, which is a big deal. Right? So even if they fail to discover, they can intuitive attack right after that. You know, to attack your camo token through smoke. Uh, don't put something there, like putting a crazy koala there, you know, or maybe crazy like a repeater or something is probably a better mm -hmm. example, right? So they can chain rifle to the repeater and catch your camo token in the blast. That's also bad. Don't do those right. things. So, so this is really, really what you're analyzing here is your opponent's ability to kill your infiltrators, right? right. So if you're deploying second, and this is another reason to possibly choose deployment. Um, if you can gauge your opponent's ability to engage your troops, position yourself in smarter places, right? Um, don't put yourself maybe out in the open, find corners to hide in, rooftops to hide on. It's all kind of, it seems obvious to us as veteran players, but so often I go against somebody who has a bunch of infiltrators and they're all on the ground and I'm just gonna run up and boarding shotgun and chain rifle them. You know, you, I don't think people get tend to get over, um, maybe over aggressive with them. And I'm guilty of doing this with my grunt infiltrators. But now what I really try to do is try to find a spot where I can be totally behind a wall that my opponent has to move past to shoot is a good example. But you want to gauge your opponent's ability to handle your infiltrators before you just go roll them up there 24 inches up the board and get flamethrowered in the face or eating a bunch of hungries, which is my favorite way to kill midfield infiltrators. So, John, you were... I think you were telling me earlier something about the attack surface. Yeah, Go so ahead. so this is kind of a, a weird concept that I have been floating around in my head, right? So let's go to the iPad. Um, so if you look at this situation, right? So we've got some buildings here, right? So these are buildings. You've got your infiltrator over here. And then let's say we have a, uh, let's say, um, you know, your deployment zone is somewhere like here, right? In the back. So yep. basically in your deployment zone, you'll have some like guys hanging out. 
And basically, these guys can see stuff that uh, their friends can't, right? So let's say there's some geometry here, right? So this guy can protect this area. This guy can protect this area. And also protects this area around the building where um, this fellow may not be able to see, right? So all in all, the amount of threat you have in terms of, quote unquote, attack surface that you present, right? Where can somebody come in to hurt your guys, right? Is pretty uniform. It's around here. Uh -huh. But in this case, right, this guy's off by himself. So you sort of present this little bubble of, I can deal with you here. I can maybe dodge. If I'm a hacker, I can hack you, things like that, right? So um, I can't actually get into this bubble without letting you do something. But I could easily walk around this way or approach your, your attack surface, right? And there's actually a huge amount of surface here per guy, right? It's the whole circle. Uh -huh. But if you do something like put a TR bot here, right? Now you're doing this and you've actually protected this infiltrator's left flank. So you're actually sort of evening it out and not like protruding into the midfield anymore and giving yourself like a wider attack surface to be approached at, right? So now, now basically you're presenting this front where you can't be attacked because your TR bot is covering your flank, right? So it's kind of like a weird mental model that I'm sort of trying to, I'm trying to figure out a way to articulate well, but effectively this can be summed up as, right, in, in normal human terms, uh, if you put something out in the midfield, it can get flanked, right? So have yeah. something behind it or adjacent to it that will protect that flank. So you want to set up uh, the sort of um, supporting fields of fire, right? So just don't leave something out in the middle of nowhere where something you can't see its back, right? Because an AD troop could land behind it. Some, like a fast bike could scoot around or something like that, or maybe something could cautious move uh, around its field uh -huh. of view. So you want to be able to protect your guy effectively. And the way, one way to do that, if even if you don't have another infiltrator in the midfield to do that thing, you could put something with a sniper rifle behind it, or even just like a normal combi rifle. You can still roll some dice and discourage people from being in a position to flank your guy. That's really what I'm trying to say here. I see. So yeah, using your, you basically you can use your infiltrators to supplement your main attack forces by defending, you the or controlling and defending the way your opponent can advance at the table. Right. Um, Another way to kind of think about it is if you could visualize all of your models line of fire on the table, having infiltration lets you put models into more positions to cover more of the surface area, like more of the literal surface area of the table with, yes. with potential attacks. Yes. And you, you don't want to leave stuff out, right? And especially if you like, uh, the, we talked about this in, in great detail um, in the Moran battle report, but uh, if, if Adam had killed one of the Morans, I basically lose half of my board coverage. Um, right. that's a huge deal. So something to think about too. Yeah. And your Morans, uh, with their, with the repeaters and there's also like Hunzakut who can get their deployable repeaters, yep. other ways to get repeaters out the board right away through infiltration, yep. uh, immediately is going to increase your, your potential threat area. If you have access to hackers that can take advantage of spotlight and things like missile bots. Right. But so that's the other thing, right? So, uh, I think if you want to do this and you're, and you want to have teeth, you have to have the missile bot. You have to have a threat to follow it up because simple hacking is not going to do it for you. Yeah. Yeah. And and now targeted doesn't really help guy or uh, indirect fire the way it did. So, right. I mean, it's really like really down to the, it helps, but not the nine point swing it did before. Like targeted helps a lot, honestly, just in general, having a plus three to shooting at stuff is great, but 
having the ability to delete things by dropping a missile on it is better. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, oh, shoot, this, this heavy infantry is really sad that it's minus three to reset and plus three to be shot at. But if you're not hacking it and shooting at it, it doesn't really care. Yeah. So that's pretty important. And then I guess the, kind of like the last, consider, last, I think, big consideration, like when you're approaching the table and you've got infiltrators, is obviously what we talked about before, the exclusion zones. Mm-hmm. These exist, and these are going to drastically reduce your ability to infiltrate. They tend to reduce the the strip that you can deploy in to just an additional four inches, which is the same as the lowest level of of uh, four deployment. Right, and that hurts if you're spending a lot of points on infiltration. Infiltration is not a cheap skill. No, right. And if you're spending a lot of points by taking you know six, seven infiltrators, and you go, you're playing a game with an exclusion zone. You're going to be really sad that you did that. Yeah, that's that's is you know is a. Uh... And the saying is that that is one of those things that uh, suddenly that that other ta- half of the table starts looking pretty appealing. Right. That's true. Yeah. So let's 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 get into that. Should we should we roll over the over the line? Um, I think there's a lot of people that they flat out don't ever. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong, but I do think it is. It's not really exploring all the possibilities. I can think of the number of times I did it in N3. I could probably count them on one hand. Outside of things with inferior infiltration, obviously. Um, but the more the more I think about it, the more I kind of look at it, the more I'm open to the idea. And this really started because I think it geez, I think it was Ruben who told us like when he went to Spain, like everyone was just throwing their models over the halfway line. And he thought they were all crazy. Mm-hmm. But but when it sticks, when you end up with like a Dao Fei with boarding shotgun. <laughs> or Moran right? covering a yeah, tag. Or Moran. Yeah. Like suddenly the the payoff is really big. So that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, Frank brings up the exact same thing. Um that's a uh that's a pretty real threat. And a lot of infiltrators actually have high fizz, I think specifically for their infiltration yeah. role. Yeah, at least decent, you know, twelve seems to be a pretty standard. So you're, you know, 45%, you know, percent. Well, I mean, uh, I think Foxtrots are Fizz 14. Oh, jeez. Are they really? <laughs> There's something absurd. Oh, Fizz 13. Fizz 13. I Sorry. I was going to say. <laughs> but, but it would Fox be shocking if you were better than, than Bandits. Right. But they're, but like, Fizz 13 is really freaking hot. It is very good, yes. Um, And that's a 50-50 chance to land... I mean, it yeah. depends. It depends on what you're doing, right? So this is a great thing to try this month for the uh, AVA thing, right? So if you're gonna, have, if you have four fox shots, try with two of them. Maybe it works. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't. Things with mine layers are incredibly oppressive because now you can put something. You can, you know, everybody's like, oh, speculo mine layers are gross. Well, anything that's infiltrating and has mine layer can do it too. You just got to roll for it, right? Well, well, yeah. I mean, talk about that hard case again. The same, you know, it's on a mine layer, but it does have the uh, decoy. Yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll this. You know, I made it. Here are two markers which you have to honor. Might have a light shotgun. Yep. Which was the real one? Doesn't really matter. You have to pretend they're both real. Yep. I mean, the uh, the fox track can take a mine layer profile as well, right? There's no mine layer for fox for you. Really? Yep. There's not right. one. Yep. <laughs> Yep, there's your first tip playing against US Ariadna. If they put out eight camo markers, two of them are decoys. Yep. 
There are no minds on the table. That's hilarious. It's something I I not true against regular Ariadna though. Yeah, if you're against regular Ariadna, that's her off. <laughs> some some of those can be EM minds too. So you can't just like oh, waltz a tag that's... through there and be like L O L O L. I'll just walk through this mine. It's like ah. Who I see you? Scouts. They're not mine layer anymore. They lost it. Yeah, it's oh, gross. They they still have it on the uh, on the the shock mine profile. It has one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, a, huge, mine... that's a huge disappointment. It is so sad, right? But Sass and Scouts are both Fizz thirteen. Shasuers are Fizz thirteen. Like these are all things you can you can put over the center line, man. Like this is how come I never ha- had this happen to me in N three when when Sixth Sense was insane on the Shasur. Oh, I just like, didn't just play you just... enough. I just took I just took them to tournaments where I didn't play you. Right, but no, yeah. like, you, did you ever roll them over the center line? Yes. Adam, oh, John God. likes you, huh? Because John likes John you. Likes that's you. Why, yeah. That's why we're still friends, John. <laughs> I did it to Than. I uh, he had some. I was playing. He was playing. I think it was Spiral. I don't know. It was either Spiral Toha. He had some like triad thing, and I basically put a chasseur in. I there was a bunch of area terrain. Uh, which at the time granted low viz, which was an additional minus three to the dodge against the mine. So I put a mine covering the whole triad, or at least two mm-hmm. members of the triad, and the chasseur covering the third. And then I stood, and then I brought Margot and Durak, and it was all over. It's <laughs> horrible. I mean, yeah. So there's there's lots of things that this is really gross on. Um, the Desu is another fantastic example with yep. NWI yep. and ODD right up there. Or not ODD, but uh, TO. And all you really have to lose is the model's going to end up in your deployment zone. You have to have a plan, though, right? Like, you need to... Yeah. like Have a plan B. Yeah, exactly, right? You so if I make the, uh... it, what do I do? If I fail, what do I do? And you need to have a plan for both outcomes. Don't just like be like, I don't know, it seems fine, I'll do it. Like, think about it before you do it. And plan your list for it. Right, if it's a model that has access to a 24-inch range gun or, uh, you know, longer... Right. Then I feel like there's higher incentive, um, you know. Even like think about a sniper, right? You might not think to put a sniper over the halfway mark, but there might be a really good position just over the halfway mark that gets a long crossboard uh, line of fire, mm-hmm. and then you're not worrying too much about getting within that that range band. So it's, and if you fail, you have a sniper on your, you know, somewhere on your edge. Yep. Yeah, I think brings up the an thing to think too. about too is that you know you also lose uh, any hidden deployment or uh, uh, you also lose any deployables that you might have been setting down, and right. you also lose your camouflage state. So it, it does kind of leave you a little bit naked um, feeling if you do you know if you don't pass that, especially if it's somebody with like a combi rifle who's you know now stuck in your backfield because yeah. you you're definitely sacrificing that that advanced uh, position that you otherwise would just guarantee, be guaranteed to have. Yeah, uh Frank actually brings up a funny point which is even your your superior infiltrating models might fail. Yep. I feel like those fail more because you tend to use them more, you know. You tend to yeah. tend to roll it and so yep. you're just guaranteed to fail more whereas you, you are so it's so rare that you push anybody over Who's not superior? That when you well, do make in, it, in those the metas are that we frequent, it's rare. But I think in other metas, it's more common. True. Yeah, like the Spanish meta. Um, you know, if you think about that, that twenty percent chance of fail that Shinobu and Yusha have, mm-hmm. um, 
you know, back in back in like 40k days of saying anything but a one and girl a one, like there's a better there's better odds of failing your superior infiltration. So it's it's gonna happen about one in five games. <laughs> um, and yeah, you have to plan for that. If you're if your whole game hinges on Shinobu landing and you're not gonna win a tournament because you're gonna lose one of your five games because of that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I I what <laughs> Watching Tim play on tabletop throwdown uh, has definitely improved my my tilt, like my my like you know made me better at not getting tilted. Because when things go really <laughs> horrible for him, he just says game got hard, and now I just say that to myself when things go bad. So oh, there we go. Game yeah. got hard. <gasps> let's make a patch. Yeah, let's do it. We should or we should get to, we should get to Eric to to uh, cartoonify Tim. Here we go. It can be on our on our upcoming swag store. Boom. Done. Yeah, got hard. Maybe a t-shirt. Why not both? I like. So yeah, I mean, should you over infiltrate? I think the answer is yes. Like all of us are not are probably not infiltrating over the over the halfway mark as often as we should. There's so many times where you just get really conservative about it and you don't do it, and you didn't really gain anything by having that seventh model in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, you just need to think about stuff, right? So I guess if you if you want to dip your toe in the water, take a TO sniper. That TO sniper is going to be absolutely fine sitting on your back table edge if you fail. Yep, yep. And you know, even though I, mean, I don't know, I'm, I don't know if I'm advocating like bring my grunt infiltrators of the center line after being so excited over not having to do it. But <laughs> um, you know, had I done that last game against you, John, and failed one, guess what? I would have had a heavy flamethrower and light shotgun on my back table edge defending it. Well, you failed one. It was just on the wrong side of the table. Did I try to over-infiltrate? You did. Your reserve was a ground oh, infiltrator, right. which you tried to land next that's to right. a Moran, which was the right thing to do. But you failed the roll, and you landed behind your Link, which I think you were preparing for a Tomcat or something, trying to kill your Link, which yeah. is reasonable. Um, yeah. I should have failed more clearly. Clearly, yeah, you should have just failed more. That was that's the correct answer. But yeah, I I think it's something that just in general, at least most people in the metas that I have come across, everybody's afraid to use it. Yeah, they want that thing that's reliable, but sometimes the unreliable wins you tournaments. Yeah, sometimes you need to take the risk. But I mean, like you know, if if it's always a question of okay, well, you know, I I either land the TO sniper and get a great shot on your link. You know, like on a diagonal as your link advances, that's great. If I don't do that, I can contest your your link moving up by being on my back table edge or things like bandits, right? Um, bandits mm -hmm. will do quite well mm -hmm. if they land up on your table side, even though they don't have a 24-inch gun, they have an irregular order and that encourages you to use it, right? So just like little things like that, think about um, how to incentivize yourself to do it, what kind of benefits you get, even if it's just like headspace stuff. It's like, oh, well, I'd really, really didn't really know what to do with this regular order on this bandit or the Hunza cut anyway. So I might as well give it a shot. If I fail, I know exactly what I need to do. And then I'm back in the midfield and I can continue on with my day. Yeah. I, mean, I like, go ahead. Obi. I think the, the kind of one of the bigger things is also just the, the, not only the deployment, but the table itself uh, can really make that decision right. for you sometimes yes. because it's such a opportunity to get a leg up on the opponent uh if you do take that chance whereas uh other times it's uh you know it's maybe not as apparent but i i was running a in a game at uh rumble 
uh, last time they had it. And there was basically my opponent had these giant, these two giant towers and he had everything on it, but there was this one corner that was just over his deployment zone and his puppet master was there. And so I rolled for my Eclipsos to just go in and murder that guy because, you know, he had the full puppets outside on, you know, down on the ground. So then I did not have to bother trying to actually kill those on, mm. you know, when they were firing back at me. Yep. Um, I think if you're playing a mission with an exclusion zone, that almost forces me to do it more frequently. Or um, it forces you to think about your list composition across the missions of the tournament to maybe start putting in for deployment four things and get the discount. Right. So if you, one if you of the two. All right. If you have the choice, then then yeah, one or the other. But I think you know a lot of times we, I end up building a list that hasn't. When there's an exclusion zone. Like this is my list that doesn't infiltrate, and this is my list that does. Right. And I use the one that doesn't infiltrate against the exclusion zone missions. But instead, again, going back to making my list more for the mission and more for the opponent, um, as opposed to deployment possibilities, because then, like, take those chances, take those rolls. Your opponent probably isn't going to. And if you start in an exclusion zone mission with models up on their front table edge, that's a big handicap. Like the point of the kind of the point of exclusion zones is to make it easier to advance the midfield. Right? They're not having to compete with all these midfield units. But once you take that away from the opponent, that be, that changes the game for them pretty drastically. Yep. Yep. And those of you who have you know who face a lot of uh, impersonators know how oppressive something sitting right outside of your deployment zone can be just by being there. Yeah. And God forbid, you know, God forbid you're Ion and you get access to like dirt cheap infiltrators. Like it's, it's definitely something, something to think about, something to think about. Right. And, and obviously, you know, just because you, you can do it doesn't always mean you should. And this goes back to analyzing your opponent and their ability to deal with the threats, mm-hmm. you know, throw it like, cool. I passed it. And I made the roll. Now what? Like, if you have to ask now what, you probably maybe, shouldn't have rolled it. Yeah, maybe don't do that. Like, like I said before, right? Like, have a plan for what do you do if you if you pass? What do you do if you fail? Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Just as much as having a plan for when you fail, make sure you have a plan for when you pass. Yep. Don't just roll it to be like, come on! Look, I rolled two. Um, what's going to happen to you? So... Yeah, I think that's I think that's a bit too on. I think really the big takeaway I think strategically is I more people should be over infiltrating. You know, there are individual strategies you're going to develop. You know, using things like we talked about with the with the infiltrating repeaters, infiltrating mine layers, all that stuff that extends your threat area. That's the main goal of what you're going with here. Um, there's not necessarily a lot of like infiltrating unit A helps unit B be better. Other than I think hacking. Mm-hmm. But maybe there is, yeah. I, I feel like there was a little bit more of that back when you could get uh, like Nimbus grenades and things like that, where you could throw it in front of somebody else. You could take advantage oh, of yeah, the sure, right? penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, because they even got rid of the uh, the the things like that for Toha, right, Obi? What do they call them? The the fart cloud. Oh yeah, the uh, the stratus cloud. Yeah, the yeah. stratus cloud. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's just ODD, which you know I'll take. Yeah, so Nate mentions that he doesn't like doing it because a lot of those infiltrators are specialists. And I think that's a a, a totally valid point, but it also might be take some non-specialist infiltrators. You know, the number of times 
I take a, a Foxtrot Ford Observer versus the number of times I take a Foxtrot Boarding Shotgun. It, 90% of the time it's the Ford Observer. Mm-hmm. But, man, taking that Boarding Shotgun and making the roll and having that land in front of your enemy's deployment zone, you get first turn, too. That's a really... That could be a really painful first turn. And that's just a Foxtrot. Right. And like we said before, right, uh, and people have mentioned in chat about uh, about the map or table, right? Um, it's often is difficult to deploy all of your infiltrators if you have a lot in smart spots. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, this is a great spot, this is a great spot, and you get to your third infiltrator, and you're like, ah, oh, crap. Uh, now what, right? Yeah. So it may make sense to do things like take um, two Foxtrot Ford Observers and a Foxtrot Boarding Shotgun, and then throw the Foxtrot Boarding Shotgun over the center line, and if it doesn't work out, now you're guarding your back for AD. I mean, the other thing, too, is if you take you know, four infiltrating grunts, you have two on your table side and try and roll over, you know, with sure. two others. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like, you know, Delami as well. Delami are some of the best because they've got that Panzer fast. So it's like, yeah. I'm on the table. <laughs> I'm still going to murder you if you don't, you know, dedicate some time to kill me. Yeah. I mean, Nate brings up an excellent point too, which is, you know, why do you put stuff in your list in the first place? You need to think about these things. And there's definitely a school of thought, and this is the same kind of uh, argument for people who don't make the roll for combat jump and always use parachutists and walk in. Like Infinity can be played as a game where you want to limit the variance as much as possible. I only take shots where I have, you know, I'm on plus three, you're on minus three. I'm always on maximum dice. I never want to roll anything to gain positional advantage because uh, that's dicey, literally, right? Yeah. So, um, you can play that way, and and obviously a lot of a lot of the U.S. meta plays this way, in terms of infiltration, right? And not over uh, over infiltrating, but you do what's um, reliable. sorry, I said you do what is what is reliable and predictable. Yeah, and it works, right? I mean, it's like the, the some of the, the best people in the world play in the U.S., so it's it's obviously functional, and those people aren't uh, aren't walking around. Uh, you know, propagandizing, be like, oh yeah, we should totally do it all the time. Do the thing, you know, and really try right. to push this on it. Uh, but I, I think it would, uh, if nothing else, uh, change the way you respond to this happening in your deployment, right? So you've you've seen it on the table if you come if it comes up, right? And it sort of uh, gives you a more breadth of experience in the game and may open your um, your mind up to some new strategies. Maybe it will do something completely different. Be like, oh. Maybe I don't want to do infiltration over the center line, but I want to take AD more because that is a more reliable way to do the same thing, and that will improve your game somehow, right? So that's a that would be a natural line of progression that you would sure. Say. Yeah, I think with uh, with over infiltrating, it it's a cost benefit analysis, you know, compared to compared to parachutist, right? Or not parachutist, right. air, uh, airborne deployment. Where in airborne deployment, like you said, it's much more reliable to do the same, you know, to quote do the same thing. But what you're paying for with infiltration is the flexibility. If you don't want to roll, you don't have to, and can still deploy up the table up to halfway, no problem, no roll required. You're there at the beginning of the game generating orders. Mm-hmm. But with with combat jump, you have no option. You know, after you've made the decision to do it, you're coming on. You're either going to walk onto the table edge, which is a very restricted uh, place to deploy, or you're rolling for it. Right, and I would I would point out that you're not required to yeah, AD if you have an AD troop. You can deploy it on the table at the start, if you want. 
I mean, also just to to offer some words that, you know, sound profound, but really aren't. You miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's true. So, you know, like anything else, it's a cost benefit. Like I said, there's a cost benefit analysis here, right? You have to make the decision. Is it worth over infiltrating? If the only spe- if the only infiltrators you took are your specialists to accomplish the missions, then probably not. Don't. Right? Let, but unless making... something's really choice shows up, like you know, they, there's a, a one little spot that you know you know where their lieutenant is. They're up on a building, and you have an infiltrator that could swing the entire you know pace of the game with yep. you know with one roll. Yeah, and and <laughs> it's yeah, it can't be stated like. If you haven't had to deal with people doing a lot of infiltration or having a lot of impersonators, it sucks having something up in your grill turn one. Even if you're going first, right? And it's just going to absorb an order. Um, it can really be a pain in the ass to deal with. I mean, and I this is again, killed an entire uh, uh, Jambazan link team with the Qtons uh, viral pistol in ARO. Jeez. Right. Those guys are so mean. I love really them so are. much. Even that combi rifle one is fantastic. Yeah. Brutal, brutal, brutal. So yeah, do it, do it more. Um so yeah, we didn't we didn't mention impersonation in passing, but impersonation basically is infiltration plus plus. So it lets you deploy anywhere outside of the enemy deployment zone without a roll. Or deploy in their deployment zone with a. I always get it backwards. Whip, it's whip, whip. whip. It's, whip. it's just whip. a straight whip roll. Yep. Straight whip. Not even a minus. Yep. And if you have and, the cool version, you're you have two marker states to chew through, one at negative six to discover, one at flat. And then if you have the not cool version, it's just flat whip. So you get you like it's no longer a question of, do I want to take a thing with marker state or not? Nothing person just gets it. So there's that. Yeah, and that's so the funny thing here, though, right? You really have to decide is it, you know, like always, you have to decide if it's worth the roll. But I feel like with uh, impersonators, I'm even less likely to make the roll. Well, I think the payoff is is uh, more incremental and not transformative, right? Yeah. So if I can deploy a mine layer in the midfield, that's great. I'm defending the objective. I'm preventing you from getting to my table edge or my deployment zone to kill my mans, and I'm speed bumping you. If I can deploy the mine layer right outside your deployment zone, that's a much bigger deal, right? Um, yeah. But with, with the impersonator, it's just like, well, I mean, I'm getting an additional 12 inches, period, right? And I'm already mm-hmm. being very disruptive by being this close to you. So I think I think the payoff is less, and the, the risk of failing is significantly more, right? Like you yeah, can lose also... way more distance if you just if you just look at distance sorry Obi, what were you saying so so no yeah no worries uh what i was i actually ran into this uh in a game for the uh upon the pacific northwest i had a q10 that i wanted to have for um unmasking and i kind of wanted to set him up the plan was to set him up so that he could you know maybe take out some of the decoys once i revealed them but uh, looking when we we finally set things up on the table, he only had really that four inch strip on my opponent's side that he could deploy in, and that was actually taken up mostly by my opponents for deploying and infiltrating things. So right. there was really no place for him to be that was safe 
on my on you know because i was going second there was not really a space that i could put him where he wasn't just going to get killed immediately by you know the first thing that uh decided to discover and shoot him so i ended up trying to actually over infiltrate into a spot that was kind of in the back of my opponent's edge and the plan was then just to put him into that uh suppressive fire using a command token and uh would have been great if I had made that role because it would have taken him forever to get rid of it. <laughs> yep. But I didn't. But he also still survived for the rest of the game and, and harassed a, uh, a lawmaker to prevent him from doing what he wanted to. So it worked out. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk a little bit about, I guess, some of our, our favorite infiltrating units. Like, this is always always fun to, uh, to pitch back and forth. Um, for me, my number one favorite infiltrator in N4 is the infiltrating grunt. And I think it's just because I'm so happy that it's not inferior infiltration anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's not the most effective thing in the game, but for eleven points and half a swick, it's really a pain in the ass. And I can take, you know, twelve of them uh theoretically. But four is is my usual my usual cap. USA is such a low swick faction anyways. It's not a big deal. But yeah, infiltrating grunts, they're tough. Like, well, there's not a whole lot to say about them. They're, they're basically, it's a super mine. <laughs> <It's what it laughs> yeah, kind of. It's, it's an armor three flamethrower light shotgun mine. Um, and then I can use it to try to solve problems like dealing with Moran. Yep. And I peek around that corner, and what are you going to do? You're going to dodge. And I'm going to shoot you twice with a burst two shotgun. Yep. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. How big of a template do I want to throw? It's like, do I want burst two or do I want burst one of the bigger template? Yeah. So, yeah, there, there's not. I don't really have any like sneaky tricks to use with the grunt infiltrators other than just use use multiple of them and it'll be fine. They they kill things dead. Um, so my next my next favorite infiltrator is actually Zerat. And neither one of these so far are uh, camel markers, which I noticed. So the Zerat before was just Mimitism minus three, now it's Mimitism minus six. And that's huge. So now I can start up the table, get halfway up the table without rolling for it at all, with an ODD possibly um, armed with a Red Fury. But bad, they're Fizz 12, which puts them at a, you know, rolling a nine or under to over-infiltrate, or may or may, that makes it a little bit iffier for me. But... Since you can take them with multi-snipers or Red Furies, it's a little bit less bad. They're not losing the camo state. So it might well be worth it. If you take one of the hackers, either the, the KHD or just the regular hacking device, you can still hack through repeaters on your way up the table. So really, it's neither one of those loses anything by failing a whip roll other than position, or the, the fizz roll other than position. And that's probably why they kind of rank highly on my favorites. The um so yeah, and then of course there's the Zerat mine layer. So if I do yeah. pass that is nine roll, then I'm starting with a Zerat with combi light flamethrower mines and then a mine somewhere else. So that's a lot to deal with up close, but my favorite my favorite um camo infiltrating uh model is going to be the Daofei. Yeah. And it's it, the Dafe is a big reason why I went into White Banner at all. Mm-hmm. And I, man, I'm totally forgetting his name and I feel ashamed because he's like a really good player and a part of the community. Um, 
Obi's going to remember it probably from when I brought my uh, my Drews to the Las Vegas Open. And he was playing Yujing um, before the split, so he still had access to Shinobu, who failed her whip roll, or fizz roll. And then I started to deal with a Daofei in the midfield, and that thing just was awful. <laughs> Is this uh, Chad? Or... Oh, it might have been Chad. I honestly, I'm, I'm terrible with names as it is, let alone names from three or four years ago. Um, yeah, he, he tends to go by his uh, his his handle too. So I, I'm totally forgetting his handle name. Yeah, his real name. <laughs> so Fizz 14, I think, is the highest Fizz of any infiltrator that's not rolling for superior infiltration. Hmm. So 55% chance to land it. And if I fail it, Daofei has some good options. The Daofei Spitfire is going to be fine. Right, he's gonna walk up the table and shoot that Spitfire as he walks up the table. He is still basically now a mimetism uh, Spitfire heavy infantry. Mm-hmm. That's he not can, bad. Can always go back into camo, and he's now six two movement, right? Is, is he six two? I didn't even I didn't even notice that. Um, I'll look that up in a minute, but it's it's effective. It's effective. And yeah, he is he is six two. So yeah, who cares if I fail that? <laughs> um, yeah. If I take a if I take a hacker, the hacker still has a multi rifle at BS thirteen and mimetism. That's fine. Moving up the table. Yep. At six two, you can re camo. You can hack things through your Guilangs dropping uh, repeaters. Not bad. I yeah, I like the model. I've converted all of the profiles, which is also probably a reason why I like it as well. Yeah. So. It's just a beast. And yeah, again, that it's that opportunity cost. Like, sure, if I fail that whip roll or the fizz roll, it's fine. Because if I pass it, your opponent now has to deal with with that, with an armor four, camouflaged, heavy, you know, multiple wound, heavily armed, heavy infantry right in their face. So those are mine. I gave an honorable mention to a model that I haven't used yet, which is Kodali. And infiltrating version. I, yeah, I absolutely dismissed this profile. I was going to convert it for both you and I, John, yep. until they came out with the model. And I was like, oh, well, that model is fantastic. And now that there's a model for it, I kind of want to try her. You know, it's she starts on the table, which I appreciate. For me, the big thing is that she has mimetism. Sure. Which is which is which is a, not insignificant. You know, if you're only going to set up Kodali with airward deployment, probably close to the center of the table anyways, you can start, I guess it's, it's um, yeah, you can start halfway at the table. So you can start her there, you get to upgrade her combi rifle to a multi-rifle. You could try to over-infiltrate, which is, you know, she's Fizz 13, so 50-50 chance, but with her in particular, I'm, I would be less likely to do that. And she's still MSV2, right? Yes. She's still MSV2. Yep. Yeah, so that makes her really good, you know, camo hunter herself. Oh, she's going to shred camo. And man, if your opponent has anything in the midfield for her to eat and get extra wounds from, just right away. So it's one of those things where I don't have to roll for Kodali anymore. She gets a better gun and she picks up mimetism. And she still has dual assault pistols. She can still. Yep. Wreck house with burst five. PS fourteen. So, <laughs> no less. Yeah, PS14 too. Right? Like if you thought Uxia was good. <laughs> yeah. 
You know, you can shoot the multi-rifle out with AP because you don't want to shock anything. You want to eat that later. Yep. You know, you don't want to spoil the You're meat. building yourself a buffet. Exactly. Exactly. So it's a it's 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 a consideration. And what's funny is like I said, I totally dismissed the profile and they came out with the model. And I'm like, well, can I use that? And the more I thought about it, the more I've started to like her more than the original Kodali. Mm-hmm. Which is a weird thing to say. Totally dismissed it before. So so those are mine. I, I picked more, you know, I was gonna go for my top three and then I went Wait, to has Protheon changed, Clint? You can't eat unconscious things anymore. Excuse me? You can still CC a close combat or a uh, uh, unconscious thing. I'm going to chalk this one up to, to I'm going to look it up, but I'm going to say, say Clint is, is no, 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 not yeah, coup de gras. Oh, it's walking in and, and intentionally rolling a CC attack. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look into that. Coup de but, gras is automatic. If you're so a base-to-base, no base, you auto-coup de gras, is that what you're saying? Anyway. Yeah, think, anyways. Way, what do you like? What are, you, what are the infiltrators you like? Uh, well, for me, the Moran. That's an easy answer. Because, I mean, Done. well, Done. more more seriously, though, like, the Moran is what makes nomads, or vanilla nomads, I think, the kings of hacking. Um because a they have all the best hackers, right? There's a lot, plenty of other hackers out there that are really great, but Nomads has just widespread access to it, and you it's effortless. Like you're gonna take them anyway. Like this is a profile you want. It's gonna end up in your list. You're like, oh, I guess I have three hackers now. Oh, all right, it seems fine. Um, oh, I see. If you declare CC against an unconscious target, turns into a coup de grace, which is not Grand Program. That's a bummer. Sorry, Kodali. Yeah. Ooh. You have to fight for your meal now. No. Oh, whatever. I can still CC you with a decharge. Okay. Well, <laughs> explode so you into my mouth. Morans Let's are good. Back to they do the thing. Um, well, Morans are so Morans are almost the the perfect infiltrator. Yeah. You know they 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 have a viz mod, which is important. Yep. They're a specialist. They're a repeater. They, they got decharges now too. Oh, so they can do more objectives, mm-hmm. and they can surprise decharge you in the face, which is very funny. I mean, yeah, I, I guess at the same point, like nobody is ever going to say Morans aren't perfect. Like, no, they're freaking amazing. They're really, really good. Um, yeah, they're also specialists. They also have an option to get boarding shotguns, which are which is more appealing now than it was before. Uh, before, I generally wanted the combi rifle for suppression and also for shooting stuff. Um, but now I sort of just treat them as deploy, uh, deployable repeaters that uh, sit somewhere and don't really do anything, and they power missile bots. That seems to be the thing that I like to do with them. And occasionally you can push buttons with them. Um, but the thing that's really important is that they come with koalas. And koalas don't actually do much. Like, the last time I've had anything kill a koala was I probably, like, 15 games ago of Nomads. So, like, I played... 15 games that weren't nomads recently. So then you have to go pretty far back in the battle report catalog to find something where like an actual thing died to uh, koala. Um, what it does is it forces the dodge, which breaks stealth. And that's big because uh, a lot of times like nomads don't have anything that's six cents and a hacker that isn't in a link. So if something with stealth walks through the Moran's repeater, you can't do anything about it, which is a huge bummer. Uh, but if that thing is going to dodge the koala, 
now you've broken stealth and all your hackers can react. So that's why I think Morans are good is because not only do are they excellent midfield things in and of themselves, they also have repeaters and they also have deployables. And now that koalas have changed, um, you can actually use them more offensively in the midfield because the, the, the mm-hmm. koalas work in your turn as well. So you can deploy one, then do something that forces the guy to dodge, which is also great. So one, one dirty trick you can do now is... Um, walk close to something, throw out, throw out a koala, and then hack through the repeater. Now, they're, if they reset, they're taking a koala to the face. If they dodge, they're getting a free hack off on them. So, forcing normal rolls, always good. Um, and it's pretty order efficient to do it. Um, okay, so the other, the other thing that I like is also out of Nomad's Bandits. I haven't played in a Bandit in a very long time, but um, they're fantastic. They push buttons, they shoot stuff, they glue things, they stab stuff, and now they have booty. So I can get cool toys too, because uh, I I have grabbed things like APHMGs uh, off of Minutemen with them before, but then immediately got shot, so I didn't get to use it. Um, but yeah, so bandits are great; they're fantastic. I I don't really have anything bad to say about them. Um, you should use them if you have access to them. I just have been trying other stuff and haven't come back to them since N4 started, but I will eventually. I have plenty of bad things to say about bandits. Yeah, <laughs> being on the receiving end of them. They do. They're no. They're fantastic. I enjoyed them in my Starco. Um, one of these days, I'll get back to to playing Starco. Um, yeah, they're fantastic. They've got the high fizz, so it's worth it's worth doing that roll. Potentially. Yep. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Libertos are excellent, excellent choices. I play a lot of vanilla army, so I have access to plenty of Libertos in most of the things that I play. Um, they're basically the counter infiltrator. Um, they dodge mines mm-hmm. really well. Um, they have template weapons. You really don't care if anything bad happens to them because they're so cheap. They dodge really well against uh, other template carrying midfield things. Um, and they generally just a huge pain in the butt to deal with. So, and they're dogged. So why not? I think, um, I, I think, I think they're, they're an excellent choice. And then my, my other two are, are basically just sort of tools in, in the midfield. So, um, I really like the Sass and Chasseur because they come with a fragillion different types of templates, uh, and they also push <laughs> buttons. All um, the different, how many, you know, how many different ways can I kill you with this? Yeah, model? right. Like I have a, I have a shotgun and I have a chain rifle. Seems great. I want those things. Um, and they're both Fizz thirteen, so you can land on the other side of the table, like we just talked about on tens, which is great. Uh, and finally, I want to talk about the Scout because um, pretty much all the things, unless it's like pretty unique. For example, um, the Dalfei, right, have some form mm-hmm. of rifle or shotgun in the midfield. Yeah, and it's like, okay, I know how to deal with this. I kind of have to stay out of out of the 16-inch bubble, and I'll probably be fine. You know, that thing might be a chasseur. I might need a flamethrower if I walk too close, and eh, whatever. A scout has a damage 14 AP weapon, and it can shoot you out to 32. Well, and they yeah. also now have shock. Yeah, uh, AP attack, I believe. Right. Yeah, not only is it shock AP out to 32, but it's plus 3 from 8 to 32. Right. Which I believe gives it the longest plus 3 range band other than a sniper rifle, but yeah. I think it's a much better much better range band to apply relevant. than a sniper rifle. Much more relevant range yeah. bands. It's it's amazing. It's what you want a sniper rifle to be. Yeah, basically. Especially on an infiltrator, and it doesn't cost a swag. Yep. I've killed plenty of big chonkers with that thing. It's it's great. Yeah, the uh, the uh, hunt neck is is kind of um, 
I think I see a lot of people skip it. You know, they take other profiles. They don't really work, think about that gun. Yeah. I think Pavel made it a little bit more popular since he came out with it and Pavel's rad and people started using the gun. Pavel does but, all the things, yeah. Yeah, but but an 8 to 32 inch range plus 3 band is is massive. I think it's, it's a combination of several things. Better. Um, mm-hmm. The first is that it's burst 2. So people are like, ah, burst 2, boo hiss. But you're, you, sure. with an 8 to 32 inch positive range band, you can get to a place, especially with camo, where you're giving them a negative three or at least zero, right? And well, importantly, yeah, you can, cover. well, you can also get close enough to zero out in HMG and still be near plus three. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, right? that's so, what you're so, saying. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's the most, uh, you know, flexible type of gun there is where you can find that spot where right. they, uh, you know, where they're at a disadvantage because of their range bands and you're not. Exactly. So that sort of mitigates the the burst two burst three thing because I believe the math still works out that uh, plus one burst is roughly equal to plus three BS, right? For for most yeah. weapons and and you know negative three BS negative three BS is the same as minus one burst, so that's about the same. Um, and then the other thing is that the scout is is more expensive than say the Sherlock in tack or more expensive than say a Foxtrot in vanilla, mm-hmm. right? So. Sure, if all you're looking for is a midfield forward observer, okay. Then, you know, yeah, take one of the cheaper profiles. But uh, if you if you want something that can do all of the things, uh, especially in um, the new, the, the world we live in now, which is you have 15 slots and everything has to do something important, uh, the scout starts to look a lot more appealing. It was always appealing to me. I think it's, its stock has risen since, uh, since the change to N4. The only sad thing is it's loss of those EM nines on his mind there. Oh, I, I, I am I am very dejected about that. It's it's, it, it's sad. pretty sad. I was <laughs> I was uh, like looking, you know, scrolling through that profile like a number of times, being like, no, they must have made a mistake. Yeah, we should but, we should report it on uh, the army bugs or something. I think that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't. If it's not the same, then you just oh. <laughs> Um, Toby, what are your favorite illustrators? Well, you know, I I was great and uh, didn't do my homework, so I'm just going to go with uh, you know, listen to some of the ones from the armies that I play. And uh, <laughs> actually, for your favorite, yeah, I totally so can't. I, I think the army thing that's funny is uh, I, I you know, having played the Spectre, I really like kind of all the other infiltrator options that I have in the various armies I have over the Spectre because he's <laughs> he's expensive. Um, and I feel like that's kind of all, of, you know, he's he's really only doing one thing for me. Like the, uh, the I'd say the Scout is was actually one that I was really thinking of because I love the Yotnik. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that, yeah, again, people kind of poo-pooed and because it's you know it's not burst three and you can't put it in suppressive fire i think it's kind of a lot of what that logic came down to sure. whereas you know that's it's not necessarily how you want to use your infiltrators it's a way you can but uh you know you shouldn't limit yourself to that uh you can use them as those guys that just hide out on a roof prone and then they pop up and just start shooting things that didn't take the right cover yep. um Mm-hmm. On, on your turn, you use it in an active turn, and suddenly that burst two is, you know, that's generally enough. Um, and they're also BS12. Um, and yeah. then uh, kind of the other one that I really like is, you know, I do like the Ninja a lot uh, because it's it's interesting because it's not a great shot, but, you know, if it 
if it runs up on you, it's pretty good at just chopping you in half. Yeah, the ninja is an interesting one because I I looked at that when I was going through like what armies do I play and what infiltrators do I have, what do I want to talk about? Because the ninja it's pretty ubiquitous. A lot of people get it. They want to use it. It's a space freaking ninja. Like as we talked about with MO, you know, space anachronism equals exciting. And uh, I think that the thing is is it tends to you lose out on the better space ninja, like you know, the Oniwaban. Sure. <laughs> uh but you don't you know, I don't get that in my in my car. <laughs> yeah. Um but so for me, the ninja is interesting because I feel like the killer hacker is over optimized, and then the other ones are under optimized. So when you think about something like the the Spectre, for example, right? So the Spectre and the Malignos are really, really, very similar. They both have BS twelve, Fizz twelve, Bit fourteen. So they've got like elite troop stats on an expensive infiltrating model. So they're going to be in their thirties. But you can get a ninja killer hacker under 30 points, yep. which, yeah. makes a, which makes an inexpensive option for a TO infiltrating specialist. But when you need to shoot something, the tack mode does not cut it. Yeah. It just, it just sucks, you know? So <laughs> it's, it is, this is what I'm saying, Frank, where it's like, it is over-optimized towards doing the mission and being a killer hacker. Yep. Where one of the profiles that I really started to like in N3 um, was the Ford Observer because it has that combi rifle. And it's actually something that I like about the standard hacking device as well, where the standard hacking device has the SMG. So both of those profiles give me the tools to attack something actively without having to get in close combat. And while it's good in close combat, you know, it's a ninja. It got the bonus, you know, the, the the martial arts level three gives, you know, puts it up to CC 26 against somebody else at negative three with a DA CCW on the killer. Yeah. I would still rather shoot you with an SMG if I had it. Um, it's still one dice against one dice, which is very iffy, where, uh, you know, when you were three dice against one dice on lower odds, I, I it just feels safer to me. So, yeah, I liked the ninja. But it just feels it, it it's in this weird in-between place when it comes to optimization. Yeah, I think one thing I want to start doing is bringing the uh, the sniper version. Because it's BS-11, but having an infiltrator sniper that's a multi-sniper seems like it'd be kind of fun. It's, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. very dependent on map. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you definitely need a like a sniper tower in the midfield to make that relevant. Like I don't, there are other, um, other factions that have access to infiltrating multi-snipers, right? So nomads is a, is a good example. Um, yeah, we get, uh, I think the zero still gets theirs as well as the specter. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. don't think I'd ever bother with the zero. It's just not worth it in my mind. Um, specter. Yeah. Well, specter I mean, you're also, also not getting that you know surprise advantage really with the the zero right sure you know because you can't have them in the in deployment no, the, the, the super surprise yeah 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 so I, I think i think that's probably the big the big thing like the the differentiator is i will take a camo sniper like not multi-sniper like the half swig sniper i don't think mm-hmm. i'll take a camo multi-sniper which is too expensive okay. without hidden deployment Yeah, and then uh, I'd say the last, you know, it's just the uh, the Clipsos. Uh, oh yes, you know, 
Infiltrators. Oh, oh my God, Cliff! Oh, so one of those that. It's uh, it's one of those ones that you know. It's it's I think the cheapest TO infiltrating camouflage, or you know, Mimitism minus six uh, camouflage infiltrator that's out there. Yeah, and, it's uh, cheapest camo infiltrating specialist. Yeah, and it you know it, it can be kind of one of those things that turns out to be really funny when suddenly you know you reveal your your clipsos and then somebody reveals their ninja and they're like I'm more points than you in this quadrant and you're like <laughs> ruined <laughs> ruined by being too cheap yeah but uh I you know there there's something that I actually like you know one of the things that I did pretty frequently is take uh, the forward observer and a uh, mine layer. Because they're cheap enough where you can do that, and your opponent may not catch that you have both of those. Like you run that camouflage or the uh, the the mine layer out there is kind of a a first turn, uh, you know, unit to go and kill off some things and and get push into their uh, their table half and make them deal with that, and then you can hold off on your other. Uh, uh, like your specialist until the last turn. And a lot of times they will not even think, you know, yep. because they're dealing with that one that's up in their face, they'll totally not think of one that might still be hiding. Yeah, no, they're 25 points. They're cheap enough to do that with. Yeah. You know, when you, and, when you start getting in, into your low 30s with the, like the Spectres and the Malignos, it's hard. Yeah, that was kind of one of the things why, you know, I've run a Spectre a couple of times, but I feel like he needs a buddy, and I just, you know, he's he's too expensive to bring another Spectre buddy. It works well in, in vanilla where you can put a zero or a bandit in there, right? Yeah. Right. So I think the, um, as Clint pointed out, the Trinitarian Tertiary in, uh, in Pan-Oceana is now actually the cheapest Camel infiltrating specialist, the TO camel infiltrating specialist, the game at a mere 23 points. Yep. Damn. And that comes with D charges, a uh, D charges mines and an SMG. It's pretty good. That's, that's not bad. DS 12, too. Has, well, yeah. now in quadrant control, that comes, he's just going to laugh at them. So, you know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, and then there's the uh, the the one with a boarding shotgun and mine layer as a fort observer. Yeah, Jesus. So, but that's twenty eight points in a full swick. Uh, that's in military orders because you don't get these in vanilla. Hmm. In military in orders? No, they're not. Interesting. In military orders, it's competing for a lot of points. That's fair. So it's. Yeah, I, I've toyed with it so far. Yeah, exactly. That's what Joan with the extra swag is for. But well, I it, mean, she's pretty cheap too. I mean, no, <laughs> <Not really. laughs> uh, nothing in military orders is cheap. That's why they built a whole new model just for that with the uh, with the Knight Commander. Like everything yep. in military orders is expensive. So I, I, you know, I've been making a few lists. Of course, in between uh, when the Army first came, or when the army was updated for N four, and now seeing the new box, and it's it is an army that is strapped for points. So that twenty three point TO infiltrator has to be the cheapest one in the game because otherwise you you don't have points to take one. 
But no, those are all pretty cool. I think, you know, I think really the 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 parting advice would be for people who are you know going to be taking infiltrating units, is just have a plan. Like yep. those those three. I mean, words, that's infinity in general, right? Not just infiltrators. Sure. Sure. Yeah, infinity in general. Have a plan, everyone. But, Jeez, but, what, are we, what are you doing? Not having a plan. With infiltrators, with infiltrators, like you can you can uh, hamstring yourself by infiltrating models, which is a weird thing for people to get. You know, when you think about you're paying points for this deployment skill, therefore I should use it at every opportunity. Like you need to use it when it's the time to use it, and it's often the time to use it, but. If the enemy's got the midfield littered with their own camo markers, like maybe give them some space. <laughs> um, or if the enemy, you know, has a bunch of warbands that they're going to be able to run up on the table, turn one because you're going second, and you don't have a way to stop them, and they're just going to chew up. You. Like, no, don't do that. So have a plan for it. Think about those over infiltrating units. And really, the only way, the only thing you need to do to use them for infiltrating units have a plan. For when they fail that role, yep. you know, you you might be more reserved to do it on something like a Trinitarian Tertiary with an SMG, because like you're you're gonna be so far back in your deployment edge that you you're gonna be a little bit bummed also, about they're it. They're also a Fizz Ten, so yeah, oh yeah, maybe don't do it with the Trinitarians, but <laughs> with other units, you know, if, if you've got a, a boarding shotgun and what? Yeah, John, think of how much it would suck if that happened to you. If somebody was like, boom, Trinitarian mind layer with boarding shotgun right here. <laughs> oh, worse odds than a ground infiltrator. Yeah. So, but have a plan. Know what you're doing. Don't just do it because you can. But if you can swing throwing in an extra, you know, camo model with yep. a boarding shotgun to throw over the center line, that's worth thinking about. Or not a boarding shotgun with a with a 24-inch range gun. Like a marksman rifle or a Spitfire, or a longer range gun with like a sniper rifle, give it a whirl. Yep. You know the the amount of damage, the amount of disruption it can cause by passing that roll versus how much disruption it'll cause you by failing it. It's worth considering. Oh man, that was I like I like infiltrators. I like grunts. Infiltrating grunts, man. <laughs> they are pretty great. All of them, all the time. All right. Well. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to late night war games. John, why don't you uh, talk us out a little bit? Yeah. So just remember to write into mailbag at late night if you have any questions or comments or things you want us to talk about. Um, next episode, we'll have Greg on, uh, aka Temporal Distortion, to talk about ITS scenarios. Um, and part four, four, part four, four, part four. You can find us here on Tuesdays uh, at 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Um, we upload all of our stuff to all of the podcast apps as well as YouTube. If you can't make this time, we know it's weird for a lot of folks. Um, so we appreciate everybody who's here watching us now. Thank you for taking the time to do that and joining us live. It's always nice to have you. Um, yeah, so uh, of course, a special thanks to all of our Patreon patrons. Uh, we'll be in contact soon with more information about the changes that are happening. Uh, and then, of course, our sponsors, um, Mythic Games and DreamPod9. Thank you guys both for supplying us with toys. Toys, toys, toys. Toys, toys. Well, actually, Mythic Games supplies you guys with toys. Yes. DreamPod9 supplies us with toys. Either way, toys. Toys. Obi, would you like to, uh, to plug anything? Yeah, so I have my very own uh, Twitch stream at uh, 
8.30 on Mondays on the you know, Pacific times. And uh, then I upload that onto my YouTube channel, Nehemiah Hobby. Mm-hmm. So you can always uh, sit and watch and me do some uh, converting and listen to, uh, to uh, my sweet whispers. You're like the inverse Bob Ross. Instead of painting, you sculpt. Instead of having a beautiful afro, you have no hair. Yep. It is it is the 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 wonderful inverse. But but you the know, vibe that's, that's is the, the same. Is I normally have this beautiful fro, but you know, I had shaved my head for the first uh, one and then you know that's the look that I've just gotta stay with. Yeah, right. That's you what used it to is. have the fro. I I remember 100%. clearly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, yeah, so be sure to catch up on Monday nights at 8.30 p.m. Uh, we do rebroadcast on our Twitch channel, but it's also... What is your Twitch channel going to be? Nehemiah Hobby. There we oh, go. Sorry, Nehemiah, yeah, Nehemiah 405. Yep. Uh, Nehemiah 405. Yeah, it's, it's hard also to find. Linked, If you go to our Twitch channel at the very bottom where we have all of our links to other shows, it should be linked down there. Be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and even your podcast. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. Um, subscribe to us, click bells, hearts, all those things. Follow, go to find us on Patreon. Um, that's a cool place. We're doing it monthly now, so buy us a beer every month, and we'll keep telling you about things and telling you about grass flavored beer. Um, yeah, if you send me beer, I will also drink it on the air. That is a thing, as long as it's not personally made by you. That could get weird and iffy, you know, then there's like weird snuff things happening on Twitch, and I think that's against their terms of service. So, not going to happen. All right, guys. All those things will help stroke my ego and encourage me to give you the best content that I possibly can, or at least the content that I'm currently giving you. So, Yay. <laughs> have, a, have a lovely evening. Take care, everyone. Hey. Thanks, everyone. Uh, 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 uh. Won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.